Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Fun. So, Absolutely. Um, everybody, welcome. Uh, this is episode 173 of the Galen Trombley Show. Uh, last week, um, we actually skipped. Uh, I had a late cancellation, so we did have somebody lined up. They are coming back on, I think, next week or the week after, so it's not... Um, you'll still get to hear that conversation eventually. So um, I was telling people, I like I took a break around like a couple weeks leading up, and then it ended up being only like two in the last month, which is abnormal for what I tried to do. But uh, my guest today, uh, episode 173, I met him through North Country Connections, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the chamber, but I'm a big proponent of the chamber and a big proponent of that, um, just that, uh, I guess program i guess you have a call program yeah um, and i met some really good friends actually one of my best friends that i met through that program was here earlier doing some arts and crafts here and she spilled glitter over the table and i hate glitter so you can kind of see glitter i told her i was going to call her out on the podcast and as well you should so as you see me like picking at glitter it's glitter is one of my least favorite things in life uh, just because it's like dirty not because it like doesn't look good but dirty so um, but you meet really good friends that spill glitter in your table through North Country Connections, and Jordan's one of them. So Jordan LeBlanc, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. I I, uh, I think the moment I wanted you on the podcast was at North Country Connections when you said something about coffee, and I'm like, this is my guy. And I, oh I, man, that was it. As soon as you said coffee, I'm like, this this is this is a guy that needs to come on the podcast, if, even if it's just about coffee. Well, I have a lot to say about coffee, so well, that that makes sense. Well, well, we'll get into coffee, but for people, for people that don't know you, give us a little background of who you are, because um, when, when you first told me kind of like where you came and everything else, mm-hmm. you kind of threw me for a loop, not in a bad way, just like, oh, wow, this okay, he's not from around here, but he's yeah. um, kind of sounds like he's around here, but a little bit of uh, maybe north of the border, so give, give us kind yeah. of a background on you. Um, I I definitely give people that, that effect. Uh, I like, if you remember Shrek, which I think we're similar in age, I say that I contain layers. I'm like an ogre in that way, Uh, or an onion, or a cake, which I prefer because I am am sweet and I will kill you if you eat too much of me. Um, But I am, you're right, I'm not from around here. Um, I am originally from Canada, born and raised, uh, East Coast, so I... I like to think that there's a little bit of home in Plattsburgh because what drew me here was I'm also from an area with lots of water, lots of trees. Canada is known for its waters and trees and rocks, and uh, that drew me here. Um, But yeah, I was born and raised in Canada. I met my wife, who is from Syracuse uh, in college, and so that was the New York connection. So we moved to New York in 2012 and uh, moved to the North Country back in 2016. Uh, My background is kind of what throws a lot of people for a loop because I've got a a theology and religion background which can throw some people for a loop in a bad way or a good way I tend to tell people for whatever it means to you that I'm one of the good ones I don't know if that's true it doesn't ring true for everybody (laughs) Uh, but my background is in uh, religious nonprofits and church work uh, dealing with obviously kind of local uh, working with people on a local level and helping them to 
uh, live their best life, their, become their most authentic self. Um, and also, I'm very passionate about uh, developing community, uh, both in the general sense and specifically the communities that we're a part of. So Plattsburgh and the greater Champlain region, which brought me to the Workforce Development Board uh, earlier this year. And I've been loving it. So we're in Canada. Uh, Fredericton, New Brunswick is where my family lives, and I've spent about half of my upbringing there. So is New Brunswick again, because my lack of Canadian knowledge, you did take introduction to Canada sure. in college as an elective. I thought it was cool, and it was a pretty cool class. Okay. New Brunswick is the most Eastern? One of. Okay. It so- is, um, as far as the land mass of Canada, Newfoundland is way out in the Atlantic Ocean. Okay. And so that is technically the farthest east. We are one of the furthest. So it's east. like New Brunswick, Nova Scotia. Yes. And then Prince Edward Island Prince Edward is right in there. Acadia. Yes. Acadia is part of uh, New Brunswick. So what makes New Brunswick interesting for any of your listeners in the Plattsburgh area, they're very familiar with Quebec, uh, which is officially French speaking. And most of the country is officially English-speaking. New Brunswick is officially bilingual. And with the last name LeBlanc, everybody assumes, including my executive director, who happens to be a Quebecer, uh, that I speak French. My father speaks fluent French. My grandfather spoke fluent French. My great-grandfather spoke no English. But that ends here. None of my siblings speak French. And so that is really? a part of my family that... <laughs> Did you have to learn it in high school? I did to a degree. I grew up in a very English part of the province where French speaking was less uh, less important mm-hmm. than in other parts. I regret it. I wish I had learned to speak French uh, more fluently because not just because of where we live with such close proximity to Quebec, um, but just I miss a lot of the culture because of it. Now... But I mean, did you ever have the opportunity to take it in school? I did. Oh, yeah, extensively. You can go in, um, they call it immersion programs, where you can actually go for several years and exclusively do your schooling in French. So there's a real focus on it. I just wasn't in an area that that it was as common, and my parents didn't care, and I didn't care. So So, so I remember taking French. I was fifth grade, we started. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a local local school, Shazy. Yep. Fifth grade, we started. I took it all the way through. I say all the way through. I think I took it up to my sophomore year. Yep. So fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. So six years. And then I believe I took it at least, I I know I took it at least one semester in college, maybe twice. Sure. You don't know anything. Yeah. I can get up in Montreal. I can see enough of the signs to kind of get by. I know like a couple of the restaurant names. If I'm looking at a menu, I kind of know like poulet's chicken and, and you know, there's, there's a few things that Boof I can is, is beef. Yeah. There's a few and, and a couple of them. It's like, well, it starts with a B. It's not spelt beef, but it's probably yeah. beef. You're like, okay, it's beef. So, um, there's a few, th- and again, miraculously, they all speak English. So you can kind of get by. If, if they're in a good mood, they'll all speak English. Yeah. Well, but, I always find the, the people that work at restaurants will speak it because yes. it's a service industry. So Absolutely. if I stop to some person inside of road for directions, they'll probably tell me not to in French and mm-hmm. or screw off. So um, That's fair. I, Actually, it's funny. As, as an English-speaking uh, native Canadian, I have a very different relationship because now that I have a, an American car with an American with a New York driver's license and license plate, <laughs> uh, they assume I'm an ignorant American now and not an ignorant Canadian because they don't like ignorant Canadians, but are they you, love our money. Are, are you are you a dual citizen? Not yet. I'm in the process of it. Actually. I was going to say because you need what ten years is it or twelve um, years in the states? Fi- actually, it's five years typical if you have oh, your green card, which okay. I I moved in with a green card immediately. Um, 
And so I applied for naturalization, which is the citizenship mm -hmm. technical terminology back in January. So oh, this year. Yeah. Oh, of cool. this year. So my, uh, I will be hitting 10 years as a permanent resident this coming January. And so that's, uh, they're hoping that that will be kind of sewed up. Um, by about then. So what the, the, it does take 10 years then? It doesn't take 10 years. That's just what I decided. Okay. Um, because there's a cost involved. It was, I think, at like $700. And I well. figured I'm going to let my green card have its maximum effect yeah. and then apply um, when I'm going to have to spend the money to renew anyways. And, and again, I probably should know this, but really the only thing, like what's some things becoming a citizen? Obviously, you can vote. That's always mm -hmm. a big one. But is yep. there, what, what else jumps out? Anything um, with like insurances or anything with like... Uh, I guess an ownership doesn't matter. You can own no. land. You can own property. No, it's really, it's a matter of permanence, really. Um, once you become a citizen, you are, it is, it is, it becomes your right mm -hmm. to live here, to, to stay here, uh, where it is in theory up to the government as to whether when I reapply, it's typically a foregone conclusion that if you're a, a resident in good standing, they'll renew you. But there is a level of permanence that, by becoming a citizen, this is my home rather than just where I live. So, so you have to renew it too. You do. I did not know that. Yes. So every, like your green card is a 10 year uh, visa, basically. Okay. It's like a passport. Yep. yep. So it's actually, a, uh, originally it's the visa is affixed to my passport before you get your, your physical green card. And I carry my green card everywhere I go just in case. Um, but yeah, you have to renew that every 10 years. It's like a passport. With the exception of if your passport expires, you're still a citizen. You just mm -hmm. can't travel. Yeah. Whereas if my uh, if my green card expires, then I am an undocumented uh, immigrant, and that is would you a have harder. to be would you at that point have to be kicked out of the country? Basically, yeah. So you go back, come back, eventually, however long In the process. Theory, takes. yeah. Uh, if if that were to lapse, then I'd have to leave the country. Though the nice thing with naturalization is they automatically add an extra year just in case. Mm -hmm. So I'm technically now good until the beginning of 2023. But yeah, so that's that's why voting uh, jury duty, which is not something I'm super excited <laughs> about, but those are the two main things that you get, I suppose. We uh, well, well I've, so I've lived in the United States now for 31 years mm -hmm. and almost 32, and I've been called in the jury duty twice or three times. Like when you got to call tracks. in, mm -hmm. only once. Again, knock on wood, was <laughs> I called? I went and I sat in a room for probably two hours. Mm. Then we went in, we yep. got pulled into like where the actual, like the jury or the, where the, the, the courtroom, I guess. Sure. Judge is sitting there and he's like, all right, well, we've uh, picked our jury from the first wave. You guys are all good, but <laughs> it still counts as serving. It does. So I don't, I, what is it? Five years or something? Something like so that. I'm like, yes. Yeah. So I got out of it. So yeah. it was great. Um, so is this something that if you were to s switch to be an American citizen, mm -hmm. One, it, it, you'd still retain your Canadian citizen. Yes. Okay. So it's not like you're, I mean, you don't lose it. Yes. You don't have to renounce your Canadian citizenship, which was very important to me. Yeah. Um, most people that know me relatively well know that, I mean, part of who I am is where I'm from. Mm -hmm. And and that is not just a matter of, of the surface level things. I mean, there are my values, while, you know, they're shared by a lot of people. I'm not saying it's exclusively Canadian. It is a big part of who I am. And yeah. so I, I don't know that I would have had the interest if I had to renounce my citizenship, which even if I wanted to, let's say, get into politics, with the exception of obviously I could never be president, which mm -hmm. everybody That's is very good. upset about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but even most political offices don't require a exclusively American citizenship so long as you have that. Is it just the president? Uh, it's, it's anyone in the... 
I'm not sure about Supreme Court. I know it's anybody in the the official line of succession to the presidency. Okay. So there's probably a cutoff. Like there might be somebody who's not naturally born uh, in the states that is somewhere along that line. But you couldn't run for uh, for one of those main offices without. Yeah, I, I would never want to be president. But like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was a governor, one right? Time, so I mean, he and was that, Hung- Hungarian, I think. I uh, Austrian. 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 That's it. But yeah. I know that was a there was a push, not very popular, but there was a push to ch- make a constitutional amendment so he could run for president. Uh, now it again didn't gain much traction, but it was the first time that I remember it being in pub- part of the public discourse mm-hmm. about whether that was still a relevant irrelevant qualifier that you had to be born in America or be born to American parents or an American parent. Um, yeah, you could have been born on a base or something out right. in like Germany, but yeah. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. I mean, a lot of the stuff is, as you look at like policies and politics, like mm-hmm. some of it's fascinating that we still, um, you know, use like the constitution and, and mm-hmm. as like our guiding, you know, laws which are hundreds of years old, which yep. is cool. But then obviously things evolve and you know, things just weren't the same back then that are now. And like, oh, we should probably just tweak it a little bit to modernize it. But there are, there are not elements, out, but like, yeah, yeah, there are definitely elements that, that still ring a little more archaic than others. Yeah. And, and it, that could be a whole, I've heard strong arguments that are definitely not discussions about which, what what should be updated and what shouldn't? And yeah, it's, it's I always, try to stay out of good, good talking points. Yeah, we, 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 don't, <laughs> we don't dive too much into politics here, but I have strong feelings about it. But I don't know that your listeners want to hear my strong feelings. The, the, about uh, it. Well, I I always look at politics as kind of one where like I don't mind listening to people talk about it, but I don't I don't really like pushing my viewpoints because I don't want. I'm just a person when it comes to politics, like. I can generate my own opinions. Sure. I can have my own opinions. And I think other people should generate their own opinions and have their own opinions. And I just think like, that's your opinion and mm-hmm. it shouldn't be, you shouldn't try to persuade others to your opinion. I know it happens all the time, but like, I'm not going to sit at the, the, we just talked about Thanksgiving. I'm not going to be sitting at the Thanksgiving discussing politics and getting, you know, getting all my, my family mad at me because, or, or agreeing. And you're just like, you're basically just ringing the drum. So I'm like, ah, yeah. I'm good. But, um, so Okay, so Canadian, you moved here, mm-hmm. you you met your wife. Your wife now was in went to Canada for school. Yes. Okay. And then she pulled you south. She did. And then you went to Syracuse or you went directly here? I actually no, I went to the southern tier. So if you know where Corning is, it's about an hour south of Rochester. Okay. Um it's similar in the sense of like Finger Lake uh, region. Finger Lakes region, yep. yep. Um so it's it's a pretty uh, pretty rural region, very you know beautiful, like you get in the Adirondacks, just less mountainous, and you know still lots of trees, lots of deer, so, lots of deer. And, and then, how'd you get dragged back up here? You said twenty sixteen, right? Twenty sixteen. Um, either random happenstance, depending on your viewpoint, act of God. I'd never really heard of the Plattsburgh area. I'm going to be honest. My father actually did because he grew up in Quebec. And so they'd get all of the Plattsburgh channels was Mm -hmm. what they got in Quebec. And so he was like, Oh yeah, I know Plattsburgh. We used to listen to or watch such and such a radio station when I was a child. I'm like, Oh, okay, dad. Thanks. Cool. Um, (laughs) But no, I, I had somebody reach out to the, the, from the religious organization that I'm a part of the Wesleyan church. Um, and said, hey, is this something you'd be interested in? You know, describe the, the region, describe the church. And I will be completely real. Uh, my initial thought was, yeah, no. Um, I was really, I I grew up in a, 
relatively decent size compared, I suppose, to here, city. <laughs> um, I'd lived in a very rural, like Redford is more populated than where I used to live kind of place. And so I was kind of jonesing for a city again. You know, it's what I had in my mind. And I kind of let it simmer for a little bit. It's like, well, just think about it. And I'm like, well, okay, let me talk to the people involved. And I bartered with them and said, listen, I need to come up a couple of times and get to know the area and feel it out. And there was just, I felt drawn to this region. There was something about it that, uh, that really drew me in. And even though I had some discussions with folks in big cities around the country that were opportunities this this place won out and and it has been it's been fantastic it's been a challenge but i've loved it yeah that's good i mean i i always um i love the area like i said grew up here once i went to school plastic yeah. state and you know i i really don't want to move like mm-hmm. ever like i just kind of like have, have a family now here so absolutely um but anytime i see people that come to the area i get excited because then so i always ask them too like what brought you here why right. do you like it and and i mean i guess for you like what's what's some things about the area that kind of stick out or you know would keep you here well i think the the feeling of home is there just in in the layout and in the beauty of the region i mean canada uh, new brunswick specifically has is a lake type set up they've got the bay of fundy which is a lot bigger than sham than lake champlain um but you you would never be able to tell uh so i mean you've got that draw immediately even for somebody like me who's not necessarily an outdoorsman i love coming down and just hanging out and sitting by the lake yeah. and just enjoying uh enjoying that i i have fallen in love with the people and that has been something that i cannot overstate how much I've appreciated, particularly over these last eight to 10 months, I have been able to, to just fall in love uh, with the people of this area. And if, if nothing else, that's what makes me wants to stay. I want to be in a place that I've gotten to meet people from different backgrounds, different ideologies, different beliefs, what have you. But there is something that has drawn me here and there's something that has, has kept me here this far. And, and I have no plans of, of changing that anytime soon. Yeah. And, and I think the weird thing about up here, of course we take it for granted because we're from here and, and you hear a lot of people say like the people and everybody's just different up here. And, and then you get people too, that talk about, um, you know, how like the community does come together and they kind of mm-hmm. rally around each other. And yep. I think, um, you know, it's just something we've grown up with. So then when yeah. you go to other places and you hear them, you know, say that sentiment or you see a lot of times kids will go away from for school, be, be gone for a little bit. And all of right. a sudden they start to come back a little bit as they get probably the late twenties, yep. thirties, start to bring their families back up here and you say, you know what? It's not that bad of a place to live. And, it, and it, I, again, I can never, I, that never happened to me. So I really right. can't look at that and say, I get that. But I, when they come back, I get excited because it's like, oh, that family's coming back to the yeah. area. Maybe I went to school with them or what, you know, what have you. But um, I always think that it's, you know, you look at the people and again, even though we may take it for granted, that's something mm. that I've tried to focus on more of like, hey, you know, yeah, there are some really good people. And I think a lot of it is the the kind of the viewpoint you take on stuff. There's Absolutely. there's no opportunity. Well, I'm like, is there no, or you're not opening your eyes to the opportunity. And I think a lot of it is, you know, I think, and in today's day and age, I think there's so much that can be said with just because of the internet and connectivity mm-hmm. that you really can enjoy here, but still be connected all around the world and not really feel like, oh, I got to live in a big city to have that. Yeah. Well, in some of it, I think you're right. I think your, your point of view and just a little bit 
you just have to take advantage of opportunities that are there. Um, I, and I've been pretty open in general. So most people that know me wouldn't be surprised by it. It has been a relatively new switch for me to have fallen in love with this area. It really has been not that I ever disliked it per se, but the level to which I've fallen in love took a bit of a perspective shift. And, and I don't know if some of it was COVID because things obviously changed with COVID uh, or if it's just a matter of how I was viewing things, I realized just how important it was for me to take advantage of what was in front of me rather than, and I think this is common for some folks of a certain mindset of what it may or may not be obvious in this area, or you might want in a larger city, I think... I think that viewpoint is important in taking advantage of what's in front of you and realizing just how deep that really is when I would not have realized that maybe even two years ago. Are you, are you a pretty optimistic person? Usually? Like an optimist? Like you uh, It depends on the situation. Um, but I would say, generally speaking, I, I trend toward optimism until I don't. Okay. <laughs> Like, I mean, every time I've been around you, you're, you're yeah. always upbeat, you're positive. It always seems like you, uh, you have good energy about yourself. I think naturally, like I was attracted to you just in North Country Connections just because you spoke. You, I thought you had fun. <laughs> you joked around, obviously yeah. the coffee, but I think right, at the right. end of the day, you feed off of people with other energy. Yeah. Um, but I get the same thing. Like I try to be optimistic and mm-hmm. again, people that know me well will know me that they also know that I need my time alone or mm-hmm. I just kind of like, you know, I need a little bit of like introverted time of and, but I find I'm very optimistic where if like something bad happens, I'm in my head. It's like, okay, well, what's the silver lining or what, what's the opportunity or what's the, what's the solution. Mm. And it's not more of like, well, this sucks. It's more of like, okay, this isn't good, but like what, how can we get out of it? And that's where my mind naturally goes to. Mm -hmm. Um, and it kind of sounds, and again, finding, talk about loving the people in the Mm. area that there took a a shift for you to kind of find that. Yeah. And I think it's easy to, um, you know, anytime you move to a new area, especially one that by and large, I mean, the I would say the vast majority of people I encountered grew up here. And it's easy to get into that mindset. And, you know, you get into what I had a professor called stinking thinking, um, where you'll you'll have this mindset of I am an outsider. And and it is a hard perception to break when you encounter a lot of people that seem to have a full slate of relationships, friendships, acquaintances that run really deep. And, and it can be easy to come into a situation like that and think, how, how do I stand a chance to get any traction in this area where everything in my life is about relationships, whether it's my work in the church or my work at the workforce development board, or even my business development history. Um, it's all about relationships and it can be easy Uh, to have kind of a pessimistic view if you let yourself dwell on it. And the decision was mine to decide how I wanted to view it. And I decided to view it as an opportunity. So even getting back into the different workforce jobs that I've been in, uh, that is part of what has just changed my perspective has been the relationships I've been able to forge. So what got you into the church? That's I mean, a that's a it, long question. As, I mean, was it? Were you young? Were you? Uh, I was pretty young. Okay. Uh, I grew up in in churches, um, and so that was kind of a part of my my life uh, growing up. I credit a lot of 
a lot of practical successes in my life to people I knew through my church. I uh, People are always shocked that have only known me for a few years to find out that I was a very angry person for a lot of my early life. And that there was a couple of people that went to my church that took, I guess, a special interest in mentoring me and helping me to channel that in a positive way that really inspired me and made me want to help other people be their truest self that weren't, you know, I, I, as an angry kid, I hated that about me as, as an angry person that was very reactive. That was something I did not like about myself. And I assumed that that was just going to be my life until I had some folks. How, uh, how old were you at that time? I would have been 16, 17. Okay, so so a teenager, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. And were you aware of that, of your anger? Oh, I was very aware. Anger's a funny thing. This is a whole this is a whole conversation to begin with. But anger is kind of like a drug. You're aware of it, um, but you get this rush that you get addicted to. I think, and you know, there's a level of uh, you know Michael Scott in the Office talks about would you rather be feared or loved. Um, and, and, and of course he landed on both. I clearly cared more about, cause I, and there, there's a lot of, I'm not a psychologist, but I think there's a lot of psychology on the feeling of, I don't think people love me. Therefore, if I can make people fear me, then I have power. And so it was something I knew. I just didn't care. Cause so, so you actively used it as, as a way to gain power a little bit. And I mean, it was. I was very selective on who I would uh, who I would be angry with. So I'm not I wasn't one of those angry kind of teenagers that got into fights at school. Um, but I was um, I would say you'd probably call me abusive when I was a teenager toward my parents, my siblings. Um, More verbal, quite verbally. Oh yeah, very verbal. I, mean, ver- I was never physical yeah. abuse. But yes, there was abusive. no yeah. It would have been a verbal, emotional. Um, I was able to to just say awful things that you know very much changed because of the people that invested in me and saw potential in me saw me at my worst mm-hmm. um but said you know this is somebody that i still see i see potential in you i don't think there's still light in them kind of thing exactly um, and they invested in me and that kind of made me want to follow in their footsteps so that's and you were part of the church at the time yep. and, the, and your mentors were part of the church yes. at the time. okay so yep. they pulled you in and that gave you a little bit of uh a, a boost or a little bit of, Hey, here's a pathway that I could. Mm-hmm. And now have you found yourself? How old are you now? I'm uh 36. Okay. So you're talking 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, so at that time, as you've, as you've grown as a person, mm-hmm. do you find that have you been able to kind of switch or go 180 and now become a mentor to ch- other people? I children would, or young adults. Yeah. Oh, definitely. That's been a major part. I think of my, if there are areas that I would call a major part of success in my life has been has been the fact that I've been able to really, really invest a considerable amount, not just in in the area of, of people struggling with anger, but just in general, being able to, to invest, you know, in I for about 10 years, I did did that almost exclusively for teenagers working with teens between the age of 12 and 18 or maybe up to 20 at times and just kind of build relationships, help give direction and to give value, help them to value themselves and value one another and be kind to themselves and to other people. Um, 
So that was 10 years of my life that I invested in people that I'd say were more like me at 16 than me at 36. Do you find that, is the anger gone? Do you still have to suppress it? Is it something that you're still fighting or is it? I don't know that I'd say it's gone. I have, I have discovered deeper ways of processing the feelings that would make me angry. So I don't, I don't find myself getting angry. It's not something I actively suppress. And I think it's because I've been able to understand myself, understand, I suppose, my triggers and what might potentially upset me. Um, and also just working through it in a way that's a little more constructive rather than destructive. Um, the other thing too is in high school, you're young, you're yeah. growing, there's a lot of hormones going on. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think a lot of the, uh, I think a lot of stuff like kids in college and, and high school it's, and the other thing too is what is it? Your, uh, your brain doesn't fully develop till no. 25. Yeah. So absolutely. it's like, it, it, it blows my mind that, you know, you have, there's, I mean, ideally you're an adult for seven years before your brain's fully developed, which is right. a crazy thing to think about. And when you start making decisions that even myself now, I found that my late twenties into thirties, I feel way more settled. I feel way mm. more, um, myself than I would have been in the, my twenties. Not that I was like, trying to act any different, but I think no. I just, I, I understand myself much better mm -hmm. now than I would have 10 years ago. And I think a lot of that is the brain development and the idea of, and obviously meeting other people and discussing mm -hmm. and, and the podcast is good for it. Cause I talk to a lot of people and oh, it's, it's almost like a therapy session for me sometimes. <laughs> Cause you talk to people and like get different backgrounds yeah. and, and different topics. And, um, now what, when did you start becoming a pastor? Um, I was very young. It's a, kind of funny to think that between the age of 16 and I enrolled in a like clergy development course at the college I was attending at 19. So over, okay. over the course of three years, that, that trajectory changed. Um, I intended on going and pursuing a, a degree likely in business administration. My, strangely enough, that's kind of my family business. They don't own a business, but my my father's side of the family has all done very, very well for themselves in corporate America or corporate Canada. Um, and so there were obvious draws into that. They, they've worked in tech, um, which, you know, is something I'm very passionate about. Um, and so that was kind of my expectation was, you know, there's money to be made in corporate America. And so I'm going to pursue that. And then over the course of those three years after you know, countless hours of people investing in me. I just, there was a change in my values, I guess, uh, a change in my desire or what I wanted my personal legacy to be. And wealth accumulation took a distant backseat to investing in and loving on people and investing in communities. And that is, uh, that's where I'm at now. Did you meet your wife at college? I did. Okay, and so she was part of it was a religious college. I say religious. It, yeah, it would have been uh, Christian Liberal Arts College is okay. what it was. So she's obviously drawn to the church too. Yep. Yeah, she was. She had a bit of a different upbringing as far as her relationship to the church. It was a little, a little more casual than I'd say my. I would have. My parents would have been pretty fundamentalist, if that term means anything to you. Very, very, very passionate, almost all-consuming. Whereas hers was a little more friendly rather than you know this was uh, it's very religious for me or it was very religious for me where hers was a little more casual uh, wanting to be there yeah so um like so i went to i started going to church at a young young age mm -hmm. like i mean um i was baptized a week old like had yeah. the whole thing now 
and again, my knowledge of ch- church is not very good. So when you're part <laughs> I mean, of the Mosaic good. Church, yep. um, that is the Wesleyan. It's it's Wesleyan, so it's Wesleyan. a um, it's a Protestant denomination um, that would... still falls under the Christianity yes. umbrella. Yep. Okay, so Catholic is part of Christianity, yes. but it's just a slightly different. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, that's why I always basically. like, because we had a Protestant church, we had a Catholic church. Yep. I went to the Catholic church, yep. people went to the Protestant church. I was just like, they're just a different religion. Didn't like look down or up or whatever. No. It was just like, hey, it's just someone different, but I never really understood it. Still Absolutely. really don't understand it. That's but fair. I, uh, so I just, I always went to church all the way up until college mm-hmm. uh, because we were like, hey, Sunday morning, go to church. My grandfather, do. my grandmother were very religious and, um, and not religious like he, you know, read the Bible, he right. prayed the rosary, he sure. watched the religious TV, um, you know, and obviously he held that as a lot of his values. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing, now I haven't gone to church in 10 years, like I sure. just, I've, I fell out of it, my mm-hmm. wife went to a Catholic school, we don't go to church, it's, sure. but I think that the values that were instilled in me at a young age, mm-hmm. I think um, a lot of things that formulated me at, like in the high school and all and that, a lot of it probably came from the church because, Likely. you know, I think, you know, being respectful, I think mm-hmm. you obviously like you have the 10, we had the 10, comm- 10 commandments. Same? Yeah. Okay. Ten, yeah. Okay. So I don't know. We, I mean, that's the famous one. Yeah. Okay. So we had the 10 commandments, but yeah. ideally you like look at the 10 commandments. I probably could get like seven or eight of them right now if I sure. went through them. But I think at the end of the day, I always just follow the golden rule. So it's kind of like just yeah. treat others the way you want to be treated. Yep. And I think that going through life, I was, um, you know, a little more reserved in certain things. I think I'm less reserved now than I was back then. But I mm. also think that I do know right from wrong. I do think I treat others with respect. I do think I'm I'm the one thing that was a turnoff for me from the church when I went was mm-hmm. I wish they were a little more open minded. And I think I'm a little right. more open minded than like the church of like that's bad, can't mm-hmm. do that, following the religion, which I respect again. I people sure. have their own viewpoints. It just for me, it's like there's a lot of things that I didn't agree with with the church, and it wasn't like naturally like I hate the church. It was just more of like I don't really I don't get a lot out of going to a mass. I don't get a lot of listening to homily or sure. doing all the all the stuff that happens. But I still think I can be, you know, someone who's spiritual. I do think I can be like um, self spiritual, meaning yeah. you know I I do think I can still believe in a higher power sure. even I don't pray at an altar or whatever. And I think. And I still respect the church. I still, right. I would still say I'm Catholic, but I, I'm not a practicing Catholic, if that makes sure. sense. But um, that's I, very common in the North Country. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> to, I think most to, people yeah, are I'm Catholic. Catholic. Yeah, sure. Like, but but the thing is, like, if I had to go, if I go to a mass or I go to a wedding or I say mass, but typically right. I go to weddings or funerals now, but yeah. I'll still go get the Eucharist and I'll still do it because I'm sure. baptized and right. first communion and all that. But right. confirmation. Uh, but it's just one where. I'm good. Like I don't really need to go each each week. Yeah. And I found that I still am fascinated with the church. I've yeah. been to the Vatican. I think it's amazing. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Sistine Chapel is one of the most breathtaking buildings I've ever been in. It is. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like I, I still to me, I just kind of try to live like a good human. Right. That's kind of like my religion, just be yeah. good. So but I do find it, you know, there's a lot of power in the church, a lot of power in community. There's a lot mm-hmm. of power in um I think I think the church can offer um self-belief i think the church can offer kind of you know finding something uh, not really ego but others you know i think that's powerful too i think so and i think that's where the church is and i say church kind of a big overarching like as a concept is at its best you talk about the golden rule and that's part of jesus sermon on the mount and that's, you know, that's one of his most famous uh, speeches or, or sermons. And that I look at and, and his big 
push was was to start to think outside yourself and you know the it, less about me more about us how can we rise together and and there's a lot and it's not exclusively that but but the the thrust of that is lifting up others it's it's caring for those who would be less fortunate it's about investing in it's about turning kind of your expectations upside down and you know so often it's easy to to uh, treat people that can do things for you uh, better than somebody that can't you know if you're if your friends are you you're around or in proximity to somebody with a lot of power a lot of connections a lot of money a lot of um, you know a lot of wealth um, you know you might treat them better than somebody that has none of that and a lot of a lot of Jesus, focus was was flipping that if you will of of elevating people who are who are poor who are oppressed who are prisoners who are you know thought you know less of or ostracized or oppressed by the culture or the people in power and i think uh i think that's important i think that's where a lot of people can find can find companionship within the church when we are at our best is when we're living those values of caring for you like you said the golden rule caring for others is you'd care have them care for you well i think uh one of the one of the things i've always been brought up and it, you see this i always get thrown around like you, tr- you like treat the janitor like you treat the ceo of a right. company and it's and i it's something i've always done like mm-hmm. if, like someone holds holds the door open for me i always say thank you and right. i hold the other door for someone like and yeah. i just think and there's a lot of people that don't do that and it, right. but to me it's like just treating people and you know, and I think a lot of the times, like, you know, in real estate land that I'm part of, it's like everybody thinks that like, the big, expensive, sexy homes are the ones. And I'm like, well, I'll be honest. I said, I get, I just had a uh, couple of weeks ago, I had someone would be deemed a higher end home and right. something they did didn't really line with me. I'm like, you know what? Not, I'm not going to deal with you. Right. But I, if I had someone that was buying a house three times less expensive or whatever, right. but they're nicer people and mm-hmm. they're appreciative, I'm like, I would right. deal with you guys all day long because you're just right. better people. And I think at the end of the day, that false sense of, um, you know, I think when people tie money to a good person, I think Absolutely. that a good person can get money, but mm-hmm. a good person could choose not to make money. Like yep. you said, like they could go into, I know great people that don't, I mean, anybody that's in social work, I think is a great person. Oh, yeah. They get paid nothing. Teachers yep. get paid Absolutely. nothing com- compared to what I think the effect they could have on mm-hmm. somebody. And I think when you start to look at that, that, you know, I find that money always is a good driver, allows you to do, yeah. it, it's good if you do good with it. Absolutely. And I think if it's one where like, you get money, you just show off that you have money. It's like, well, you're missing the point of money. Like, yeah. if you're a good person that can accumulate money and can do good with money, then Absolutely. I want that person to get money because they're gonna. But I think the, uh, like you said, the, you know, I think the church values of just kind of treating people. That's something I really focus on, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say focus on. I think right. it happens naturally, but I think sure. it was ingrained at a young age yeah. where it comes. So I mean, for for you, as a as a pastor, because obviously I'm just, again, I'm going to say from, I would, I would accumulate or uh, you're like a priest or deacon. You're, mm-hmm. you're leading the congregation. Right. Yes. So, I mean, you see people yep. from all walks of life, I do. young, old, mm-hmm. different backgrounds, economics, social yep, classes. Absolutely. So what's, what's that feel like? Um, and you're looked at as a leader. Mm-hmm. People come to you for advice. They come to you for leadership. They come to you yep. maybe just for peace of mind. Like, yeah. so how has that maybe tra- transformed your life or given back to you? I mean, it's incredibly, it's incredibly gratifying when I've been able to have 
people who make well into the six figures serve at an event alongside somebody that has no income to speak of. Um, you know, the, it, to a degree, it feels like it's some of my favorite times is when we've been able to kind of partner side by side with people of varying socioeconomic, you know, levels different different backgrounds and just be able to, to give back and to invest in, you know, our community when, you know, pre COVID, obviously things have changed, but even just being able to partner with the Katyville fire department and give back to the community, invest in, you know, the community of Katyville, which a lot of people don't realize there is a community in Katyville because, it's, you know, it's there and there's not, aside from the dollar general, there's not a lot of, of commerce, um, but there's a, a lot of just amazing people that, that we can and have been able to invest in. So that's, that's been really good. It's been interesting to have some conversations. I've always said that life and ministry moves at the speed of relationships. And so it's, you know, about investing in people and spending time together and learning what makes them tick and that it's it's incredibly interesting to see the personal growth that people have as they see outside themselves cuz that's a big part of what i do is helping people to see other perspectives and to dream not necessarily bigger but dream differently about what life could be mm-hmm. and it's it's incredibly gratifying to see when people kind of catch that vision and they try to live it out in a way that positively impacts their community so in a normal let's say in a normal week like what what's your position as a pastor what's that entail um well that's uh it's changed a little bit over the last few months since it had been my full-time job it is now a little bit more of a uh, a part-time job but um a lot of that is um is sent, still centered on sunday so prepping for um and pulling off your your sunday morning services Um, but mostly outside of that, it's just maintaining contact with people in your sphere of influence. So it's eating meals with them. It's getting coffee with them. That's you, you'll, you'll notice that's a theme of mine, but getting coffee with, um, you know, or just supporting those people. So it's, 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 it's a lot of relationship building, a lot of just, um, spending time with people listening, which is harder for me than talking, but intentionally listening to people and just kind of giving them the freedom and the security to know that they can come to me in a position where I'm not just here to judge them as right or wrong. Um, but I'm here as an ally, as, as a friend. Um, and for some, it matters that I'm there as their pastor, as a spiritual leader, if you will, um, to just kind of walk with them and to give them advice and to give them, you know, the opportunity to, to do that. And that is, the, the part of, of working in a church that I've, I've appreciated the most. Um, do you find that like, or solutions help people like yep. get out of problems or just, yep. or even like I said, just a little like encouragement or, or, um, now regarding now, do you do a homily? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we homily? wouldn't call it a homily. A sermon? Uh, sermon is starting to become an arch- archaic even for that, but it's probably best describes what we do. Cause it's not really like, it's not a a lecture, but it's somewhere in between. I tend to speak longer than a homily. You tend to go and have like a 10-minute homily, mm-hmm. and then you take the Eucharist and you go. Um, mine's a little bit of a, I guess, a blend maybe of a homily 
with some levels or some some influences of a lecture where I try to I do with some teaching as well as I guess uh, motivational speaking a little bit too. Well, okay. So is there a? I'm assuming there's structure to the mass. Yeah. Yep. Okay. It, yep. Is it called a mass? It's not. Okay. Um, but that's okay. Service. Um, service. I I use the term a lot. Worship gathering. Okay. Um, it's we're part of what we what you what now you wouldn't call it a free church but what what religious or theological folks would call a free church movement so where a catholic church would be pretty strictly defined and very tightly organized we have a general general flow that most of our gatherings have um but they're not set in stone so they can you can kind of be somewhat flexible and it's a little less um call and response where you wouldn't necessarily have um, to memorize certain elements of the service or follow a script as tightly as we might. Do you have, do you read, uh, do you read passages from the Bible? Yep. And do you have, and I, I, is there prayers? Yep. We'd have prayer again. That's, it's a little more kind of free in that we're not reading or reciting prayers. A lot of times so it's not like our father, more, Hail Mary, right? It'd be a little more, um, kind of personal, kind of conversational, I think would be how I almost like it. saying grace around the dinner table. You kind, kind of, of free yeah. flowing in thoughts. Yeah. And, um, cause the thing is I've, I've never been to another service right. minus, the, minus a Catholic mass. So, right, right. um, now the homily, cause the one thing that I never got, at least at my, <laughs> in church, now one, I was probably, I was younger cause I was, sure. you know, I might get more out of it now, but when you're hearing someone lecture for 10 minutes, mm-hmm. to be honest, I would just daydream. I would look That's around. Fair. I think there was, there was value to being quiet and sitting still. Yeah. Um, you know, especially as a kid, but for sure. I don't, I didn't get anything out of it where if you told me, well, what did he say in the homily at best? I might to remember a joke that he said at the end of the homily or right. maybe had a, maybe had a, a you know, you'd have the sub priest. He'd like, this guy's funny. He always tells a joke. He not wait for the joke, and that was basically <laughs> yep. the extent of like what I remember. Yeah. Um, and so I, I didn't get a lot out of it. Where right. that's what I was wondering is it like how much prep do you do? Obviously, you have, I'm assuming a theme for the week. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to. I mean, it it depends on the week. Um, you know, I will do kind of series that have kind of some type of overarching theme for four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, sometimes, and. Um, so they'll kind of center under a certain theme and then we'll kind of tackle subjects. You know, sometimes it'll be a, you know, a, a series based on, you know, uh, let's see, I've, I've done politics is the one that's coming to mind. It's not one we often do, but it's like last year during the election season. It's like, all right, what is, how can we learn from the Bible on how we interact with the world around us? We're talking an awful lot about all of these issues. What can we learn from the life of Jesus? What can we learn? And, and it, it really was challenging for me. And I think it was challenging for my people to reconsider what we assumed is the quote unquote Christian position and the quote unquote Christian way of dealing with politics. And that's somewhat of my hope at times is to challenge the way that we assume things to be. Um, and we do try to do that from a, you know, from a, this is our, our heritage is found, you know, very much in, in God and the Bible. And so we do it from that perspective um, is, is there a lot of discussion amongst like when you do, when you do, um, your lecture or, mm-hmm. or sermon, when you talk is like, is there a lot of feedback or is it more you talking? Is it more of like, like how many people are in the, in the, uh, would be at a service? Um, it's, uh, anywhere between 50 and a hundred at our congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's, you know, with the pandemic, we're still kind of in a lot of churches have not really reestablished as much. Um, so we were running probably about a hundred people on average would be, you know, a part of in some meaningful way. And I'd say meaningful in that it's not just a, a casual, like once a year or kind of Christmas and Easter thing, but they were a regular part of the, the gathering. Um, so it is a little more, I guess, performative. I don't like the term, but it is a little more like we have a, we have a, a band that will play some music that, you know, kind of follows a, a worshipful theme um, that kind of we'd, we'd consider that to be kind of preparing us for, you know, engaging meaningfully with the, the sermon, the homily, the teaching time. Um, and then it is a little more, it is a little more lecture style in that sense that I, I will um, more or less give prepared remarks for half hour, 40 minutes. Um, I think I'm a pretty interesting preacher. Not everybody agrees. Um, but I mean, it is, it is a pretty, it, it's definitely planned out. I'm not off the cuff. Like I'll put, so Depend- we were talking about before we started, like public speaking, that would be yeah. this. Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm very much, if there's one area that I'll tell people I'm very comfortable with public speaking. Cause I can, if need be, I can talk off the cuff in front of, I mean, I I've spoken in front of, you know, groups of 1500 before, and it doesn't really phase me. I kind of can get into the zone and get in my element and get going. And 40 minutes later, I'll land the plane. So is it about an hour long service? Uh, so usually about 90 minutes in total. Okay. And, yep. and, and I would say the meat, the meat of it is that 40 yes. minute speech. Yeah. I would or, say that that sermon speech, whatever is, is, is probably the most time we'll spend. There's quite a bit of music in there as well. Um, but yeah, that would probably be the anchor of the, and is there, is it, um, like pews? No, we got chair. We have chairs. Um, I mean, but it, kind is of, it more of like stage with it, like seating is. or is it kind of yes. like all around? Oh. It is. It's a stage with seating. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, like I said, like I've, I've literally only been to like <laughs> the, the typical Catholic church with the pews yeah, and the altar absolutely. and everything. So, yeah. um, yeah, so I mean, it's, I've actually been trying, I've reached, I gotta do a better job. I've only done a couple times, like reached out to a couple, uh, priests about coming on just cause like, sure. you know, like I said, now I have different viewpoints at 10 than I, or 10, 30, than I did <laughs> 10 years ago at, at 20 or, yeah, or 10 absolutely. years old. So, um, but it's just kind of cool to like learn about it. Cause again, being, being out of it, just kind of, you know, diving back in and kind of understanding, um, you know, because it's such a powerful group of people together. And right. I'm looking at your accolades here, which again, I'm not going to read through <laughs> them all because I'll be, probably take five minutes to read through them. But there, sure. it seems like you've done quite a bit in regards to, um, you know, increasing or elevating the church and inc- increasing, um, I mean, ba- based on a lot of it, you said talk about relationships. We talked yeah. about, I know there's a few on there with, um, say, marketing, but um, you know, <laughs> getting people, you know, to understand who you guys are, right. revenues up, client mm-hmm. bases up. Um, yeah. No, so I think there's, is that something about growth? Is that a major thing for you or expansion or? I mean, growth, I, I tend to, I tend to look at healthy things tend to grow. You know, you, when you have, when you have a, a healthy atmosphere, um, that, that tends to provide for natural growth. And so I'm a big fan of, of health in the sense of, you know, whether it's personal health, um, you know, even physical health, emotional health. And, and in an organization like a church, um, it can, because it's people, it can get thorny. Um, so it's, I've, I've been a big fan of, um, taking that approach of, you know, if we want to, we've got a message that I believe is worth giving, it's worth sharing. Uh, we have an experience that's worth sharing. So what, what do we do? How do we live? How do we embrace a, a way of thinking that, 
that will help us be healthy, not just for our sake, but for the sake of the people that we meet with and that we encounter. And how can we live in a way that will make that will make a positive impact? And that in turn benefits the organization, not for the organization's benefit, but as you know, as the church grows, um, the hope is that we can turn around and reinvest in our communities and, and in our, our neighbors and in our region. That, that basically that the message catches, catches fire a little yeah. bit and spreads. And yeah. And that we can embody that. Like if we, if we, and I, this is a major thing. If, if somebody from my church were listening to this, they'd know that, you know, my big thing is, you know, that we've got to, we've got to become the change that we want to see. And, and we can talk, a, we can talk a good game because people are great about talking mm-hmm. about what's important to them. Uh, but we got to live it out because you live out what matters to you, even if you swear up and down. I believe, and I this is important to me. Your your time, your money, uh, your effort, your thinking uh, betrays your true priorities. Uh, so the actions have to reflect the words. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's uh, now taking taking that. Yes. Um, jump around a little bit because. Now you're the grant coordinator. And I know when I first met you, you were yep. at a different position, but I, I know recently the, you joined as a grant coordinator for the North Country Workforce Development Board. Yes. So tell me your journey into <laughs> that, why you're there, what mm-hmm. you do, what what the uh, the Workforce Development Board does. Yeah. Um, that's very much kind of an extension of my desire to see the tide of this region rise to borrow uh the the metaphor that our friend tom bull has used probably ad nauseum um but i i truly believe that that i that we all benefit when the tide rises when all the when the tide rises all the boats rise with it and so i've been kind of looking for a bit of a different niche to to contribute and to invest in in a I suppose maybe a different way or a wider way and so my previous stop um, I think kind of helped me better articulate what I wanted to do or how I wanted to be involved and that was you know at a at a credit union that I have very very fond feelings of and and it wasn't a long stop on my journey but um, but it gave me the opportunity to really develop those relationships that I think have really led me to uh, the Workforce Development Board, which is um, kind of a unique organization because it is a bit of a private-public-partnership that connects um, some federal and state agencies like the Department of Labor, um, and we have some partnerships with social services as well with um, both local businesses, um, employers, um, educational institutions and the workforce at large were kind of that central hub that connects um, people that need workforce training, need to, you know, want to get back into the workforce or want to get a better job, um, help them to kind of remove the barriers that would stop them from pursuing further education, trades, training, apprenticeships. And then partnering with the schools, so whether it's CD Tech or Clinton Community or SUNY Plattsburgh or um, the colleges in Franklin County, because we represent not just Clinton, we're Franklin, Essex, and even Hamilton County. So kind of broadening those partnerships to say, how can we get you trained? And then partnering with these regional employers to help them find, to help them connect the potential employees 
with the uh, the local and regional companies. So the workforce development board is not they're not you guys aren't actually training, but you're more of the liaison to kind of yes. make it make it possible for these people or whoever comes in as a possible uh, future employee or yes. future. Uh, worker that they can go find the necessary resources to kind of like basically keep you on the journey, but let's get you on the right path. Yeah. The term I've used um, a lot is we're kind of a, a bit of a backbone organization. We don't necessarily do the work, but we are a great, um, we are a great hub that can connect and draw these people together that may not have otherwise known about it. Um, and so we're very, we work very closely with the chamber, especially we're very close with the chamber have a great relationship. Um, in fact, Gary is on our board and, uh, and it's, we have a fantastic working relationship with them and through folks like Gary, Joel Wood, um, people like that have really helped us get connected with, um, manufacturers, especially we're undertaking quite a bit, um, of, of initiatives with the schools in the area to, um, to reinvest and help the county invest in uh, some training for manufacturing, um, for just developing the STEM, um, the STEM education and experience here in the North Country, and so that's been a great because we have these relationships with the schools that they the schools may not have great relationships or close relationships with the employers, but because we have the relationships with the employers and the schools, we're able to kind of help grease the wheels, if you will, to help them you know, build those relationships while also meeting and investing in the individuals that may not have the opportunities otherwise. So, and I I guess good, hear your opinion on it. I mean, obviously right now we've heard about like lack of employee or employment, you know, we see help wanted signs everywhere. This is not just here. This is across the United States. Um, What do you think? Why do you think that's an issue? Let's start there. Why do you think that would be an issue? Why we've seen such unemployment? Um, I mean, it is a a huge, wide range of issues. I think, and I think that's that's been reinforced with there was a, I think it was a convenient narrative of stimulus money that we're keeping people out of the workforce. But I think as we are now, I think two and a half, almost three months out since all of those additional stimulus funds were expired we're still seeing it. So, so we're having to more or less be forced to ask questions of, of what is it that is causing these labor shortages? And, and some of it is the stuff everybody can, will think of. Um, there are people that are, um, that are looking for higher paying jobs, um, than some, uh, employees had been. You, you, you've seen a spike. Um, thankfully, I, I think, um, thankfully, um, you have seen a, a bit of a spike and hopefully that continues, um, to kind of overcome some of the, what we'd call stagnant wages. Um, part of it is it's been 18 months of the pandemic. Um, childcare is a major issue. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I was part of a, a forum this morning that is advocating for some of the, um, money that the federal government is making available in our region uh, because one of the major issues right now is there is a lack of child care and a lot of parents are having to choose do I work or do I or do we take care of our children mm-hmm. and yeah. there's not a parent alive that if they choose between I have a career or my child is taken care of and loved um, we've lost over, I think the last two years, we've lost 900 in the North country, 900 childcare slots. Um, so that is 
for every. I think they. I think the figure Ch- we child heard, care slots meaning uh, opportunity meaning, for yes, children to go places in registered, um, licensed child care facilities. So whether that's a center or a home based child care facility that the state has given their stamp of approval to, um, I believe the number oh, they said was for was, every. Jordan, go sorry, I'm gonna, yeah, interrupt. That's nine. That's nine hundred. Like like someone has a license to watch three or four yes. or five kids. That's yes. one of nine hundred. Yes. So oh, there wow. are. Okay. There we've we. Right now, the number they told us this morning or that we heard this wow, morning was high. that for every one available slot for a child to be given the proper child care at a at a licensed facility, there are three people waiting. Uh, they call most of the North Country a child care desert. There is simply a critical lack of child care to the point that that some counties are considering starting their own daycare. Because because they are they're at a loss of how to how to approach this. So why why do you think there's a lack of just childcare facilities? Um, there's a lot of reasons behind that. Um, I'm not an expert in in that. I think some of it is, um, it there's a, it's a it's a lot of money, and it's hard to start there's a lot of regulations there's there's something like 100 pages of regulations so just the licensing takes yep. money and resources the licensing are hard if you're using your home there's a lot of added um added costs and regulations surrounding how Probably your home is outfitted and- out insurances absolutely um just personal training a lot of people will think you know i'm great with kids i've got a great house that can you know can work with them i i love it um, so they, they get into it and then realize, oh, I need to understand accounting. Mm-hmm. I need to account for all of this, or I need to, um, or just uh, develop a business plan or a model. Cause you know, you, you don't want to ask for too much, but then you realize that you're, you're being, you know, you're, you're undervaluing your services. And I think for a lot of people that get out of it, it tends to be either, uh, they're struggling with regulations or the co- the cost is too much and they're not bringing in enough and it's hard to justify raising rates when you when you live in an area where so many people are struggling day to day and some people are paying more for childcare than they're for their mortgages or their rent. Well, like I said my my son um fantastic he goes very good school. Mm-hmm. Um no issues at all, but it's yeah. a second mortgage payment. It is. And then I have my daughter going next year, so that's a mm-hmm. third mortgage payment. So I look at that and like that's just for schooling. Absolutely. And that's I mean, and they're under they're, they're under five. They're right. not even in kindergarten yet. But um yeah, I mean I I like and that's the other thing too, is like we we, we like our family mm-hmm. at the younger age was the same thing. It was like, does it make sense? So my wife does massage therapy. Does it oh, make sure. sense for my wife to she still does it, mm-hmm. but it's not does it make sense for her to do it full time? Mm-hmm knowing that half of that probably would just go to sending them to daycare. Now, obviously they're getting to the point now where we want them to have the socialization, but leading up to that, yeah, my wife watches all the kids up until they're old enough to go to the school. So, right. um, that was something we, we talked about. It's like, yeah. I'd rather have, and she was in agreement, you know, there's some days I'm sure she wants to just break <laughs> from it, but overall no she doubt. would rather raise our kids and yeah. just pay to send someone else. Cause yeah. it's like, makes more sense. So that was something that we've always looked at, but, yeah. We, we, again, I think are in the, you know, that's definitely not the majority. We were lucky enough that we could, you know, swing it. But right. it's the idea that, um, yeah, like I don't even know if there would have been places we could have found. There probably right. would have been some here and there. There but. would have been. And there's some fantastic. I think the thing that's easy or that should be, you know, restated is that the options, there are some fantastic options out there. That's 
part of the issue is that they're reaching their capacity Mm -hmm. and we, we can't ask, you know, I have, I have several friends that run, um, in home licensed childcare facilities that they are, they are running themselves, not just at capacity from a regulation standpoint, but they're running themselves at capacity, physically, mentally, emotionally. It takes Mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's the hard thing when you're, when you, you know, are faced with, faced with the option of it's one thing if you are what we call a quote unquote uh, living wage, not minimum wage, but living wage. That is a, that could be in theory a luxury. Um, But as you go down that socioeconomic standard, the hard thing too, is that there's also a lack of flexibility. I can't tell you and well, you probably know as a parent, um, how many times schools would close or classes would go remote Well, right now it's especially, uh, and that's where you're seeing. And I think that's part of the issue is you're seeing parents. I have, I have friends who are small business owners that have had to close because their kids are in quarantine because Mm -hmm. of an exposure at school. Um, and that's a, a business that they own so they can make that decision. Uh, but what do you do for the service employee that is making a minimum wage at a store or a chain restaurant uh, or a chain, any any chain that is a little less um, personal and a little more strict on their on their attendance? I, I know people who have had to choose between keeping their job and taking care of their children. And so it it makes things very complicated for workforce shortages when you add that. And there's new research that has come out over the last couple of months um, that I think illuminate a little bit. On the other end, uh, nationwide, over two and a half million people retired early during the pandemic. So you've got an unexpected, largely, I would presume for most people, you're talking kind of maybe middle management Mm -hmm. up, um, but you're, you're throwing a lot of these organizations that relied on those, you know, older Gen X, younger boomer ages that now they're gone. And so there's a, I think there's that added level of uh, perhaps there are some organizations and businesses that are looking for similar people to fill those roles. Um, and they're not finding them cause they're not there anymore. Um, do you find, and, and I don't know if this is true or not. I think a, a possibility too is, Obviously, the pandemic, a lot of things mm-hmm. happened. A lot of people then went started working from home. Yep. But I think a lot of what happened was people over the pandemic, two things. One, yeah. they worked from home, but then mm-hmm. two, they said, you know what? Screw it. I didn't like my job. Yep. I want to start my own company. I want to yep. start my own business. I know, I, I believe, and I, again, I wish I had a fact checker. Here, but <laughs> I think that the- uh, Wouldn't that be nice? The, yeah. I think the amount of people that have- I think the amount of businesses that were started over the last like two years, yeah. I think was some of the largest in history. Wouldn't surprise me. So if that's the case, like say, I'm going to take you as an example. Yeah. You work for somebody's employee. You mm-hmm. started to go start your own company. Yep. Now you, through success, might sure. have to hire someone. Now you have one person to hire. They now have to replace you. So that's right. two people that now have open yeah. positions. But then you look at that and now across millions and millions of businesses that open, could that have been the case where who someone that was once an employee is now an employer? And now right. at that point, now there's two people that have to, you know, potentially, because now there's just yeah. more business that's open. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I mean, I, in my last job, I got a monthly, just for Clinton County, I'd get a monthly uh, statement of the DBA filings for the county. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of helped because I was, I was doing business development for a credit union. So we obviously, in the end, we want we wanted them to bank with us. Yeah. Um, 
but it was also a, you know, what, what do you need? Because these are, you know, some of them are just side hustles that, you know, you had to, they want to write that you got to get them to write the checks in, you know, LeBlanc lawn and garden, not to Jordan LeBlanc. Cause you have to find a way to kind of segment your life a little bit. And it's, you know, tax, tax yeah, for tax purposes and whatnot. Yeah. But I do know over the, the few months that I was doing that job, um, you're right. There was a lot of new businesses started and serious new businesses. Um, I think too, when you add to that, especially, and I've used this with, um, entry level positions that I think are feeling the, the burden of the, uh, staffing, uh, crisis or shortage is also, I think people used this opportunity to better themselves. Mm -hmm. So they had, you know, some people, my wife was laid off for, three and a half, four months and she worked at the mall. So they opened the minute they were humanly able to. Mm -hmm. So they were some of the first wave of people that weren't essential workers went back. But I know a lot of people that during the pandemic went back to school, mm -hmm. uh, you know, learned a trade or just somebody like me that started to learn how to roast coffee. It's not a business that I'm doing, but it's something that I've enjoyed. And I imagine there are some people that took, the, the hobby that they enjoyed and decided to invest more and to try to monetize it because it's a little easier and they probably enjoy it more. Yeah. And then when you add that on the, you know, kind of the, I hate this job anyways, you also had that, you know, you had people that for at least a time were making more money than they would have otherwise. Has unemployment gone up? Unemployment's down. Okay. Because I was wondering, because are these people just not going to work and yep. claiming unemployment? No. Um, the, the, the definition of unemployment is a little bit, a little bit suspect at times because you, that means uh, if you're unemployed by the government standard, that means you're looking for work, but you don't have work. So I don't know if there's some, some trickery happening in some of those numbers, but ostensibly the number is almost back to pre pandemic levels okay. within a couple of percentage points. And I know it's gone down. Um, not just because the added uh, unemployment benefits um, expired, um, but even just over the last year, opportunities are there, and so fewer people are relying on unemployment benefits. So, like we, so kind of use it as a um, to tie it in a little bit with like real estate is yeah, real estate supply and demand, mm -hmm. same thing with houses and everything else. So then that's why I always look at is like if people aren't working, then right. you would then two options. Either unemployment went up, meaning mm -hmm. people just aren't going to work or right. aren't finding jobs, or two, there's just too many jobs and just not enough people. Right. And I think that if the employment's not up, then naturally I would think, okay, there's just more jobs that are available. And that could just be because, hey, is the some of these companies doing better economic wise. So we yeah. saw the economy did spike a little bit. So oh, yeah. it's like, is that the case that now some of these companies now brought on 50 jobs? Well, right. it's like, well, 50 jobs. In, well, th take here. Mm -hmm. If you're someone like a Schluter, that's a gr fast growing company. Oh, all of a sudden, like now we need, we need to hire 50 people and yeah. there's not 50 people that are either a want to do the work or I say want to, but I would say qualified to do the yeah, work. I don't sure. think it's a, a want because no. some, because eventually some people have to do it just because of finances. Like right. uh, you gotta, you know, but then you're going to look at, there like, are times that I don't want to work, but I do it because yeah. I have to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I, I think, think we're most, all there. I think most people would say like, <laughs> well, do I have to work? Can I just go, like, go on vacation? Yeah. Like, if, but, but it, the idea would, would be that, you know, there might be some of that too, where it's just a qualification for some people. Yep. And that's obviously, I think comes back to what you're doing. We're trying yes. to get them up to the point where, you know, and I know the chamber does this and I know, yep. you know, obviously 
you know, uh, what Joel does and, mm-hmm. you know, Clinton Community College has a program Absolutely. and a lot of it is trying to bridge that gap and making yeah. sure that the employees around here are more employable. Yes. Um, so do you find that is that are we trending in the right direction on that? I mean, I think that's a that is a big part of it. Um, and I think. I think there's a lot of interest in, you know, I, I don't want to talk too much at a turn, but I know there's been a lot of interest shown towards some of the initiatives that, that we're undertaking for our manufacturing, um, for manufacturing training and apprentice pre-apprenticeships and apprenticeship programs that we've kind of started working, started kind of, it, it's very much low key over the next few months. We're hoping to really draw it out. You know, we're looking for some funding to really make it, make it really just top notch and I'm very excited for it. Um, so I think that, I think that's part of it. I think getting people the skills that they need. Um, I think some of these businesses are growing though. I mean, some of them are still struggling. I wonder too, if some of the challenge is we now have more competition for employees than ever before because of technology. I mean, if one thing we, if one thing we learned really is how to effectively leverage tech to work productively, I mean, I, I know Zoom so well now, considering it is a product I had never heard of two years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I, I organized, I was the back end support for this webinar that I was a part of this morning. I mean, I, if two years ago, if you told me I'm going to, all the things that I had to do to prep for this, including, you know, the design program that I'd never heard of two years ago, because I used Canva to primarily prepare the the visuals. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of Canva either two years ago. So it's just interesting how much um, the work from home and remote work is, is here to stay. And so now... I get emails from kind of early on in my in my investigation of kind of and re-entering the workforce. Like I reached out to a few larger, you know, nation, national employee or employers, um, you know, investigating what would it look like, what could I do if I wanted to do some business development or account management for Amazon, because Amazon Web Services is literally everywhere, and you don't have to go anywhere. And then I learned things like, you know, Walmart corporate is all remote. Microsoft may never go back to uh, being in offices and they're a huge employer. And so the opportunity now to live in the North country and work for a New York city firm is, is unlike any other time before. And so I don't know, and I, I can't speak with any amount of certainty, but I imagine the competition comes into play because I, I would presume down the road, you're going to kind of see a regression to the mean of, of having, you know, if you're a New York city employer who's paying somebody to be remote in the Adirondacks, I mean, that's probably going to be a little less of a, uh, you might see the, those salaries come down a little bit, but you may end up seeing that, that these kind of smaller regional employers are having to compete, not just with the businesses here, but if they can, they may end up having to compete with people that, that are headquartered in Seattle or Los Angeles mm-hmm. or Orlando or Dallas. And, and I imagine that's, again, I can't say that with any absolute certainty, but I know that's at the forefront of people's minds. And the questions that are being asked are, are uh, in part, what do we have to do to now compete on a national level where we used to just have to compete with buddy down the road? Well, I think the ones that I'm seeing the most is restaurants, retail. It's, yeah. it's typically, you, with the people you need physically in the, yes. in the place. And 
Um, and, and you see a lot of it mm-hmm. on f- in also in trades. And I think that I, yes. the problem with the trades, and I think that this is not just the time, not just, I say, like the unemployment time yes. right now. I think that was a trend that we just knew inevitably was going to happen because, mm-hmm. you know, the generation before us, they all knew how to fix stuff. Yeah. And I can get by, I can figure stuff out on YouTube, but I'll be honest, you're not going to look at me and be like, you're going to know how to fix a lot of stuff. Like, <laughs> I can do the, I can do minor stuff, but like figuring if I really had to figure out plumbing, I, if I, if I really had to, I would watch YouTube. Now, luckily yeah. I always look at that between the frustration, the time, the, the lack of knowledge, I could rather just pay somebody. Sure. Um, but you know, that's, you know, I think that our generation is going to be more that way than our fam- than our parents yeah. or our grandparents who just our grandparents just fixed everything. It's yeah. like if you you worked anywhere, you just figured out how to fix your car. Absolutely. And I think right now is there was a, a gap, at least in our generation, where mm-hmm. people I think looked at the trades as kind of like a a second tier work yeah. force. And I think right now, me like I've said this before. If I had to go back and you put Galen as a junior high student mm-hmm. going into high school. I would not have taken the sciences and the math that I did. I would have taken what we called tech math and tech science, which yep. back in when I was in school, that was for the dumb kids. Well, <laughs> I, say dumb, I say dumb kids in quotations because right now those are the kids that can build a home. Yeah. And you know, when you look at that stuff is that was the, the perception back then. Absolutely. I would have taken those and then I would have gone to CV tech and learned to trade. Yep. And then I would have, whether or not I went to college or not, I would have gone to college mm-hmm. to learn business marketing yep. or something along the financial realm yep. so I could take the trade, I could learn the business aspect of it, and then I could go and be entrepreneurial and run a trade company like you would Absolutely. see like an Ace Electric or yep. a Rotor, or I say a PM Leary mm-hmm. uh, where you have these companies, but finding the workers for it to fill that. Yeah. And, and the other thing with a lot of those companies, they're so in demand that instead of like going to work for you, why don't I just start my own company? Right. And get paid all of it because mm-hmm. NB kind of, I, I mean, you're, you're seeing all these like f- contractors are just, they're booked out and it's like yeah. a one person show, but they're like, yeah. I don't really need to advertise your business because I'm booked out till next year. Yeah. Especially if you're good at what you do. I mean, it, you're right. You'll, you'll never be at a lack of work. Oh yeah. And I think that's, I think you talk about the culture of it. I mean, when I was in high school, like it was never even a question for me. I was, I had great grades. I was quote unquote smart. Mm-hmm. And so it was a, you graduate, you go to college. That's just what you do. Yep. Like it was never a question of what, I mean, there was, there was always the question of what do I want to do? But it was always under the auspices of, well, do I want to get this degree so that I could do this job? Or do I have to pursue this degree so I can get ju- this job and make money? Where I think we were kind of in that unfortunate kind of time where, you know, my, I, I don't know, my dad was born in the early sixties it was a no brainer. He went to school, he got a BBA, he got a job in business and he, he excelled through his career. And it was a no brainer mm-hmm. because he had that degree. He graduated with practically no debt and bought a house at 22. That is less and less and less throughout the years that guarantee that if you get a, a, a an employable degree, cause I realize the, you know, there are certain, there are certain degrees that it's like, well, yeah, you're probably not going to get a, a, a well-paying job, but even even then, the the cost of tuition mm-hmm. is is so high. And I know people that have decent-paying jobs that have told me it's like I'll never be out of debt, I'll never pay off my student loan, I will die, that will outlive me. Well, there's a thing. So like, you go to school and you literally are like, how big of a hole am I going to dig before yeah. I have to start climbing out? And yeah. um, and for me, 
I, for whatever reason, got extremely lucky. I mm. was, I started reading. I was a nerdy <laughs> kid, but I ended up having a class my senior year. Now mm. this was might have been my fall of senior year um, or spring, one of the two. I took a sociology class with a high school teacher. Sure, and he spent a month. Uh, still lives in the area, but he spent yeah. a month talking about like financial literacy and talked mm. about um, what I would call adulting, like, yep. you know, like a like adulting class. Yeah. It wasn't even an actual class. He just took it right. upon himself to teach us for a month on this stuff. That's first huge. time I ever heard about retirements, first time I ever heard about insurance, yep. first time I ever heard about IRAs, first time I ever mm-hmm. heard about um, debt and compound interest. Yep. And in my head, I was like, wait, this is all true? And it's like, oh yeah, like welcome to the adulthood. And then I ended up reading a couple books. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I think any, mm-hmm. every, anybody in high school or, or younger, I mean, it should read it, but I'm right. saying that was, you know, I read that, I think it was like 17, 18. Right, right. And I, so I was like, okay, I'm not going into debt. Mm-hmm. Like, this is my goal. So I was like, I, and I kind of knew my situation. I knew mm-hmm. my parents had earmarked an exit budget for me, mm-hmm. which I knew Plattsburgh would suffice underneath that budget. Right. I could go to any school. You can go yep. to, you can go to some Ivy League school if you wanted, but you're going <laughs> to out of pocket. So I was like, I'm going to go to Plattsburgh. I so, can't tell you how many people that I've met that I've tried to get to that point. Because I know so many people to like, going to Ivy League. Well, no, 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 oh, no, no, to to just stay local. Because I know people that are yeah. that are going to private colleges that I'm like, oh, but I love it, and it's such a great school, and it's like, yeah, that's true. But they, they got also, pretty hedges and nice buildings. They, yeah, and, and and you're paying thirty thousand dollars a year for the tuition plus room and board. Yeah. And it, Plattsburgh's beautiful, man. I realize you don't like living with your parents, but man, suck it, suck it up for. So two years, same thing. I, I, I had some scholarships. It wasn't a full ride, right? but I stayed at home because yeah. I didn't want to pay the room board. Like I was like the most, and people were like, oh yeah, you never went to college. And I'm like, I didn't. Like, did I lose the college experience? I probably did. Maybe. But I came out of college debt free and I've never, yeah. like, I, I say that I, God loving, I love my <laughs> wife, but I've paid some of her college debt. But <laughs> I, I personally have never, um, I never came out of college. Right. And now when I, I talk or I never came, sorry, I never came out of college with debt. Right. Um, and what it allowed me to do was I bought a rental property. I was 22 or 23, wow. you know, I ended yeah. up having, um, a car that, you know, and I, I had some stuff that I was into the, you know, trying to accumulate wealth versus paying off debt. And right. I was able to bridge that, that gap early. Yeah. But now when I talk to kids and I'm like, what are you doing? We had an, um, in, was it an intern? Yeah, it was an intern, I, I believe. And I, I asked him like, what, what's your, you going to college? What are you doing next year? And they're like, well, I'm not going to go to college. I'm just going to the workforce. Now, 10, 15 years ago, that would have been like, you'd be shitting on that person. Now I'm like, oh, well, so what do you want to do? Like, what's your plan? And it's, I don't even look at that as negative. I'm like, well, you're going to come ahead of, it's almost like playing life. Remember the board game? Oh yeah. You go to college or debt or you go to the workforce and like, but the debt's going to be a hundred thousand. If I just go to the workforce, I'm already ahead of that. And then it's like, and then you find out like, oh, you had kids and now that adds like, but but it's the idea that, um, you know, I think there's so many more pathways in life now where it's not that cookie cutter, mm-hmm. college, high school, college, get a, get a job, work at that job for X amount of years. And I think the fascinating thing now that you're starting to see with people is people are now starting to enjoy their life a little bit more versus mm-hmm. waiting till retirement. Yep. Cause like to, to work your, you know, to work your tail off to get to 60, 65 and then retire. I'm like, mm-hmm. no offense. I mean, people at 65 are no, they're not the 65 <laughs> we grew up with. They're, I would say they're more like the 50, meaning like just... Um, health wise, you're a little better at that age. That's fair, I suppose. But, but the idea I just is- think some of that is our perspective changing because 36 used to seem really, 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 really old, yeah, and now I'm 36. You're almost, like, you're almost over the hill, you know right? I mean? uh, like, and I still have, I still have children talking about how old I am. I'm like, listen here, you little. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I'm not that. And the thing is, but you don't feel right. old. Like I would say, no. if you ask like mentally, like Jordan, how do you feel? Like I, I don't feel any different than I did when I was in my 20s. I mean, you might right. perspective a little wiser. I mean, but, I'm better than I was in my 20s. I'm oh, aging like a fine wine. Yes. Exactly. Well, I always the other thing too. It's funny when you look at your picture at 20 or 25, and then at 30, 35. Typically, you look better at 30 or 35 oh, for most guaranteed. people. If you, if you like, don't let yourself go. Yeah. I mean, if we can if we can all have uh, what Paul Rudd is somehow able to discover where he is far cooler now sexiest than he man was. Alive. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'll, I mean, that's I'll legitimate. That. He's the sexiest man alive right now. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> I assumed that wasn't just your, your no, sharing I, your preference for superstars. Yeah. People people uh, Magazine actually claim that's an yes. actual claim or yes. uh, a title he owns. He, right he, he, I'm sure. And and I think, no, but that's definitely, I look back and I, I see myself in my 20s. Mind you, I'm also, uh, I, I've lost a considerable amount of weight compared uh, to where I was. So I look back and think, ooh. Well, there's I'm some of that, but you took care of yourself. That's true. Yeah. And uh, and I, I grew a beard. And let's be honest, that that's helps. Beard, are you a baby face? <laughs> Oh, very much so. Okay, that, I my, my wife won't allow me to shave. Sh- <laughs> Same. It, it's one where I said, "Well, if I get to like thirty, which is not going to be the case." So I said, "Maybe when I get to forty, if I shave, then I'll get like." But I don't think I'm going to look like old. No. I kind of hold on to it. Yeah. Um, because I still I don't have gray hair yet. So right. knock on wood. Um, <laughs> at least I'm blonde like you. So right. like it kind of hides a little better. Of course it does. Um, but that's but it's kind of one too. I don't like. Are, are you? Does age affect you? Getting older affect you? I mean, not in the sense of like I'm not afraid of growing old. In fact, if if one if there's anything, I I sometimes can be. I, I took um, it's Gallup did had their Strength Finder um, resources, and there's a book re- uh, around it. And my top strength is that I'm a futurist. I I'm, I've always got an eye on the future. Uh, in fact, I can too much pine for getting older and being more, I don't know, more settled, more successful, whatever it is, you know, that I'm, I, I'm rarely able to enjoy my now because I, I don't think it's a, like, I got to get on my hustle, but it's a, like, I want to see the future that I want to see unfold. And I've realized that's always going to be the case. So I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a, I guess I'm, I'm probably outside of the norm that it's like, I want to be you know, in my forties. Cause I think in my mind, it's like, that's where I want to be. Cause I want to be at a place in my career or a place in my life where it's like, I think I'll be there in my forties where I'm not there yet. Uh, but I would have said that 10 years ago too. Yeah. So I'm not afraid of getting old. Cause it's like, man, once I'm in my forties, I'm going to have this, 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 and this, and I'll be happy. I think I'm the same as you is that I don't, I don't look at being old as bad. I look right. at old as like, I can't wait for the opportunity because yes. I'm the way I look at my life. Like everybody does stuff differently, but I'm so optimistic with my life purely right. for the fact that I'm a I'm like a lifelong student. Right. I like to improve every mm-hmm. day. I try to learn every day. I try to get better. Yeah. If I make a mistake, I always like we talked about it before. Like, how can I learn? Right. We're not perfect. I make mistakes every day, but it's like okay, I made that mistake. Can I learn from it and be better? Right. And I look at it as I just know my mindset that if I just keep doing this for ten more years when I'm forty, right, and then I do it for ten more years and I'm fifty, mm. that naturally I should just be a better version of myself at that age. Now I will say like waking up in the morning now was not as fun as it was when I was 20. Fair enough. That that I, you know, yeah. And, but I I do look at it like there's different things and, and I just, it's one of those things like I know, but I don't know, but I just have enough confidence that when I'm 40 or 50 or 60, that I'm going to position myself to a point where I'm just going to be better as an overall human than Mm -hmm. I am now. Yeah. And, that part I like. Yeah. Um, I work every day for that opportunity. Yes. One of the things that I find that 
I do have to slow myself down is sometimes just enjoying where I'm at in life. Because like 100%. you said, it's like always looking, always growing, always wanting something, but not enjoying what you have. And sometimes stopping and smelling the roses and Absolutely. stopping and looking back at, you know, you looking back at your 20, you know, let's go back 26 year old or 16 year old self and be like, okay, Jordan, you've come a long way. Yeah. And the same with me. If I looked at my 20 year old self when I had no clue what I wanted to do till now where I'm like, I have a pretty good path of what I wanted, yeah. what I want to, now obviously there's a lot of unknowns, but of course there is. I, I feel more confident now with the direction of my life than I did when I was 20. Mm-hmm. And I have more energy now as a um, overall energy. I'm not going to say physical energy because sure. when I was 20 or yep. 18 or 16, I could run around like crazy. But sure. I have the, I guess, the mental energy um, and also the willingness to do a lot of stuff. So mm-hmm. I think that the excitement of growing old is always good. And I yeah. think, and then I think it also comes with the idea of meeting new people, opportunities. For me, I, you know, I have young children, but then mm-hmm. being older and seeing them grow up and then yeah. seeing them have children, I think is going to be a cool experience. Cause I'm Absolutely. seeing that through my parents. I, like I'm seeing it off like secondhand from, through my parents' right. eyes, but seeing of kind of like what my life might've been like 30 years ago as a child, right. When they were ta- when they were parents to yeah. me. And that's, that's kind of been eye opening over the last couple of years and no give me a better appreciation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there's nothing that's like age itself doesn't scare me. Even being old, right. like being old, old doesn't at that point, I still think will be, there'll still be joy and I still yeah. think there'll be excitement. And I sure I, hope so. Yeah. And, and I was, I, I was thinking about too, cause like, you know, and I think this might lead back to like as a, you know, a pastor, mm-hmm. but I'm assuming like afterlife is a big yes. belief in, in your, so then it's like, I look at that idea of like, is there an afterlife? If you had to, if I had to really say like, Yes or no, I would say yes. Like, right. I, I believe there is. I believe, right. and whether or not that's true, I don't mm-hmm. know. But I think it's one that if that's my belief and I get to that point, and all of right. a sudden, like, I'm no, I don't fear, like, I don't fear dying. It's right. kind of one of those things, like, if I die, then it's like, there's probably, I think optimistically, that there's something mm-hmm. even better for me, like sure. a cool ride, or you get re- reignited with people that have mm-hmm. already passed. And I right. think my only fear of that would be that, you know, I have children and I wouldn't be able to see them grow. Yeah. But at some point absolutely. I'm going to, I'm like, right. I, I hope, I pray that I pass right. before my children pass and that, Oh but, God. Yeah. Yes. Cause that's one of the, I think that's one of my fears in life. Like yeah. if I had to legitimately take a fear, but, and I, that's the hardest part of you talk about pastoring. That's if there's, there's nothing harder than, than walking with parents who've lost a child. Oh, I, I couldn't even um, imagine. I mean, the, I, obviously the younger, the more tragic and the more heartbreaking, but literally, even if it's a 70 year old parent who's lost a 40 year old, it's, it's I, devastating. Yeah. So, I, so that, I, that is an incredibly fair desire because it's, it is heartbreaking. You talk about, yeah, yeah I, I, I couldn't imagine that's, that's now having kids like I, it's kids sick, like Bob, yeah. like. That's why, like, we we did this tournament here. That's for yeah. like, I mean, we we benefit, but it's for children's charity. Because like, Absolutely. as you when you start to look at it, it's like, what do you really care about? It's like, oh man, like if I see kids, I'm such a like a sap now with kids because, and even for parents, I think, yeah, you know, as I've gotten older, like, I, I well, this is something I don't think there's a harder job on earth than being a mother. No, if I had to pick, and, no, and I would say the only thing that would elevate that is being a single mother. I can't even and, imagine. Because and, I see how hard my wife works with children. I see how hard, you know, either female friends of mine that have kids yeah. or or buddies of mine, their wives. And mm-hmm. then I look at it and it's like, and I know how hard I work as a father. And I'm like, right. listen, like I'm like, I, I can see like, it's always funny. I was like, at the end of the day, 
between me and my wife, I'm like, you're always going to win out. You're one. I might be one A or one B, but right. mom's always going to win out over dad. And I think, but it's the same thing. Like that's, that's something that perspective wise, as you get older, it's like your parents and our parents, it's like, how the hell did they manage? And yeah. like, especially when you think you had six kids, you had five kids, you had yep. four kids. I'm like, holy crap. Like, yeah. so I think that that's given me a, a, you know, more of appreciation as you get older of like, you know, life's hard, you know, life's, life's hard <laughs> yes. for everybody. And I think that's when you go back to it of just treating people equally and treating mm-hmm. people. It's like, everybody has stuff they're going through. Everybody yeah. has their own version of it. Um, and some people are more equipped. Some people mm-hmm. have adapted better. Um, yep. some people have had it quote unquote easier or harder, but I think that everybody's living a life that you aren't in their shoes and, Absolutely. you know, and I think the judging aspect and I find and I'm human, like there's times I might judge someone but then I, I really try to stop and be like, no, no, you yep. can't. You can't judge that person, you yep. know, and, and you have to look back and say they're going through stuff. And I tr- yep. I'm, a, I'm a benefit for the doubt guy. If someone's having a hard day yeah. and it's like, let's not take it out on them. It's like, mm-hmm. let me try to figure out and get an understanding of where they're coming from or yep. what might have happened even on the way to work. There may be something, you know, or all of a sudden they f- – and typically you find out something – major happen or life that has nothing to do with you, mm-hmm. you know, or nothing to do with a situation. It's just like, yeah. obviously they're human and it boils into their work life or personal life or whatever. And, you know, I think that having the perspective of just realizing that everybody is going through a lot yeah. and, and in their own way and on their own path. And I think yeah. you, I would think have a, have a good um, lens into that because you see it. And I think people come to you from a position of strength, but also vulnerability. Absolutely. Well, and that's, it's funny because I think in kind of both both of my worlds or I guess both of my career paths both have this idea of of the importance of not just second chances because I was talking to one of my clients recently um, and and you know both of our primary grants that I administer right now are both related to um, workforce training for people who are dislocated so people have been laid off or fired or unable to find work um, but have been impacted in some way by addiction and you talk about you talk about the choices you know we as a culture still struggle to understand the the weight of addiction especially opioid addiction which is one of my main grants and and just kind of understanding the battle that people are fighting and you know i've had clients that honestly clients in in this job and and people that i've met in relationships relationships i've built through the church that I mean, these are people that, that they're not necessarily there because this is the life they've wanted to live. You know, we rarely see the battles that people have fought. And, and I think of some people that have been told their whole life, you know, you are terrible. You are, you are worthless. And it, it only takes so long for these people to believe it. Mm-hmm. And, and so whether it's at the church uh, in more of a spiritually intangible way or at the workforce development board in a more tangible and um, a more tangible kind of career oriented way of saying, listen, I believe in you. Let me show you how. And so for my my job at the workforce development board, for some of these people, like we I've been able to fund several kids to go and get trade training at CV Tech. And that's a relatively inexpensive investment. Um, you have a very high return on investment in those trades, whether it's welding or the CDL uh, training. But just saying here is $5,000 to, and I'm not giving them a check, but here is here is the amount that I'm, I'm going to invest this in you. And some of these kids have never had somebody say, I'm going to pay for your school. Uh, we're 
I'm very grateful that I can, you know, you know, we've had some kids go through the welding program. You've got to have certain equipment. And so I've gone taken them to Han um, welding supplies on military turnpike. And I've gone there and said, all right, here's, you know, we need to get you a welding mask. So let's get a welding mask. And they'll see how much they are. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, well, no, I'm not going to get that one. It's like, no, yes, you are. Like, this is going to be what you're going to use. You know, uh, you take them to Lenny's to get shoes and they have to get those steel, you know, leather steel, steel all toe. leather steel toe boots. And they're like, well, why aren't we just going to Walmart? And I'm like, well, number one, you're probably not going to get real leather steel toe boots. And I want this to last you for 20 years. Yeah. I want this to be a worthy investment. investment so yeah. if we're going to get, we're going to put a couple hundred dollars into you. And I've seen grown men get tears in their eyes because that's not something that, people have ever done for them before Mm -hmm. because like the fact that I'm, I'm willing to say like, Hey man, you know, you're driving in from, you're driving in, let's say Champlain for school five days a week. I'm going to get you a gas card here. Here's a hundred dollar gift card to Stewart's. And they're like, I've never had people invest in me like that. And it starts to remind us of just even more. So I think I'm more grateful. Number one, I'm more grateful for my parents that my parents did and said some crazy shit and uh, I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to say that on your podcast, but anyways, oh, yeah, uh, you can, you can uh, yes. uh, but like, and, and, and my relationship with them is, is strong. Um, and they've, you know, they've grown and they've inspired me to grow. Um, but just, it's made me grateful for the willingness of my parents to invest in me and to love me and to take care of me. And even just, I'm grateful for my wife who has, who has supported my various changes, lived, you know, moved to a different country, lived in Canada with me for years. I mean, has followed me all over the state and, and supported me in some of these workplace and employment and career transitions that I've made. And, and not everybody has that. And it really just reminds me of number one, how grateful I am and how grateful I need to be. Um, but also recognizing that that I am incredibly blessed and not everybody has that blessing. And I've learned to have a much larger, more wider latitude for giving people grace, uh, for, for helping and trying to be patient in a way that I wouldn't have been even five years ago. Because, you know, the, the, the person that's crabby at Walmart, I, I, I worked retail as a side gig because I wanted to earn money to buy clothes when I was, especially when I was kind of at my, the height of my weight loss journey. And I was kind of normalizing in on, on, uh, you know, where I was at. And it's like, I felt comfortable. So I started working at American Eagle mm-hmm. and hearing the stories, you know, you, you have certain, we, we as a culture have certain assumptions on retail employees, especially if they're older than 22. And I met some of the hardest working people that yeah, they may be crabby because they're at their third job. They I, I've met people that are working 70, 80, 90 hours a week and realistically making less money than I am. And that's when I started realizing, damn, I need to I need to extend a little more grace even to the person that I may have walked away and been like, ah, you ungrateful so and so and 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 walked away and just been like, you know, you're a terrible person. You should be helping me. You should be honored to help me in line at Walmart. And then I, it caused me to think, what is it in their life that, 
that is causing them to be that frustrated to the point that they can't even control themselves at work. And that's, it's been a revelation for me to realize the battles that people are fighting that we have no idea about. And it's easy to just say, well, screw them. Mm -hmm. They should, they should put on their big boy or their big girl pants and get over it. Or we can try to empathize with them and say, you know, they're fighting battles. We have no idea. And maybe if we, maybe instead of laughing at them because they're pulling a wagon barely, maybe if we got alongside them and pulled the wagon with them, they'd realize that, that they're worth pulling the weight with. And it's been a huge life altering realization for me over the last couple of years. Yeah. And I think, uh, like even last, last week I stopped in, um, there was a, kind of like a, a drive kind of thing for Thanksgiving yep. and, and help helped out. I mean, not again, I mean enough to stop in and help out for a little bit, but right. I, I no way, shape or form organized. It, <laughs> you know, it was just one of those things. Like I just mm. kind of stopped in, I was invited, stopped in. And then it was like, you showed up and part of me as being, you know, just growing up, it was like, no, let me just get in the front of the line and let's just start handing stuff out and doing stuff. And right. it wasn't like, I didn't want to just sit there and like watch and be like, Oh, this is cool. This is more of like, I think that's just how I was brought up was, right. you know, you worked at, you know, harvest dinners, you worked at, yeah. you you volunteered, you helped people out. And it was just yep. like, you know, I think being able to still put your nose down or head down and just kind of grind through whatever you have to do. I think, yeah. you know, some people don't do that. And I think, and, and again, it happens you know, sometimes people get success. They get um, kind of like the Rocky story. You get the glitz and the glamour and then yep. you don't train as hard and you get beat up, you know? And, yep. and uh, you know, I think a lot of it, you do need that, you know, punch in the face. And I, think <laughs> some, I mean, and, you know, but I think people that can kind of stay true to kind of where the, their roots and where they came from and know that, you know, like you, you said it already, but like my favorite, favorite quote was the one you mentioned before rising tide raises all ships. Yep. It's just the idea that, you know, you have to, or the idea of like, don't ste- step on people to get higher, but right. as you're climbing, reach down and pull people with you. And yep. I think that's something that I'm very passionate about from a local standpoint. When yeah. you talk about like the bigger why of why you do stuff and, you know, and, and most of the stuff I try to do is, is long-term is that is kind of like, can we leave this area better than we found it? Yeah. But can we also give it more opportunity than what we had? And yeah. I think I, and I, and this is not, I mean, this is not something I came up with. I'm not that no, right. But I'm like, you look at, you know, someone that, you know, whether they be, you know, Gary Douglas for decades has been yeah. leading the, I think leading the charge. I think Absolutely. if you had to give someone a, a white, a white horse and a, <laughs> and, a and a hat and a baton or, or a sword or whatever, it's Gary. But I think like, you know, just moving the area forward and trying to um, align with people that are doing the same. And I think yeah. that what attracts me to other people yeah. is when I see people doing that. And I see, and, it, and the thing is coming on the podcast and talking to so many different people of different Absolutely. walks of life and different backgrounds. And then we hear theme over and over again. And typically the good people, people that I would think are good people, we echo the same theme, which is what no we're doubt. talking about right now. Absolutely. And I didn't know that about you. You know what yeah, I mean? Like I just met you, but then you, you start talking. It's like, all right, no, this guy gets it. He's just like every other person that, yeah. you know, I think gets it that I think are good yeah. people is that we don't go through. I don't think I've had any quote unquote person that I think would be a mover and a shaker in the community come up and be like, I want to take everybody's money and be this great <laughs> and powerful person. Everybody's like, well, no, right. I want to do this because I want to make this better and better. Yeah. And I think that as everybody's echoing that and we're rowing in that direction, that it's inevitable that we'll, we'll hit it. And yeah, one of the things that makes me excited is that again, being, you know, 30, I'll round up almost 32 <laughs> that I can, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see decades and decades yeah. of, of success and change and, and growth in the community. And I think, um, 
that's what excites me. Yeah. The other thing was I started watching a Beatles documentary yesterday. Oh, I, that's on my list of things to on watch. On Apple. Yeah. And I won't give it away, but... All right. Um, I mean, I know how this... I generally know how the story ends, but... <laughs> okay, so... so, But so, the, but the cool thing about it is you're seeing live video. Right. Um, obviously, there's two of the four still living. Right. But I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like... Like, Paul McCartney and Ringo are still making music and are still... Yeah. And you see, like, the old kit that, you know, Ringo was jamming on and oh, yeah. Paul McCartney with his, like, iconic... Well, he's lefty. But, oh, like, yeah. iconic guitar. I'm like, these guys are still doing it today, yeah. but this looks like, you know... A history book to me yeah but they're still what in their 70s but they're mm-hmm. jamming out and doing all the stuff and that what what's crazy is just how short a life is but how long what you can accomplish in yeah. a full life and that's what always drives me it's like wow it's gonna be really cool like what more can i accomplish in you know i always say modern medicine and in future medicine is going to allow us to live longer but sure can i live another 70 high productive years because right. i think i really realistically i think when we get up to 100 years old that's going to be like the old 70 or 80 probably some but, of it's going to be out of requirement because I don't know that some of us will ever retire. But yeah, and, and, yeah, maybe. And, and, and <laughs> some I think, of us. I think if if you look at that though, it's like wow, you could accomplish a lot because it's not starting from square one; it's compounded yeah. from where you are today. Absolutely. So that's what also gets me excited. So yeah, absolutely. On, on a lighter note though, because oh, we're gonna, course. I want to get to uh, four things I wrote down. Two yeah. of them I knew about you. Yeah, yeah. Two of them I didn't know about you. One of them makes my heart very happy. Mm. But we'll get to that one last. Um, All right. You said you're big into tech. I am. What, what now? What kind of tech are you? Like a nerdy geek kind of like. <sighs> my my friends in information services would say no. I am absolutely not because I am what they call an Apple sheep. I love tech in general. Are you an Apple guy? Like, I am very much an Apple okay. guy. I, I know you have an iWatch or I, I, is that iWatch. Yeah, I have the Apple Watch. Apple I, Watch. I, Apple I'm Watch. pretty heavily tied in the Apple ecosystem. So I've really I've really grown in my affinity for the apple brand like that's i'm one of those guys that i'll watch the the keynotes that they do like every quarter and i enjoy it i have invested not much but i've invested in apple like i i put my money more than just a i've invested because i buy their stuff i like i have stock i have a little bit of stock in apple and Mm -hmm. um so i mean i but i enjoy just tech from the sense of i am fascinated with you know electric cars and the 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 push for uh, the growth in electric cars. I don't own an electric vehicle yet. Have but you driven a Tesla before? I've never driven a Tesla. Uh, I want to. I want to drive one that has the ludicrous mode. is my is my dream. Just because I've I, those look so amazing. Uh, but I find I find tech fascinating because I think it reveals a lot about us. Like what do we value is reflected in tech, and so I just find it fascinating because tech is kind of that that forefront of human evolution, if you will. But it it does a lot of. Uh, I think what we focus on says just a lot about who we are. Um, so tech-wise, I just think it's it's a fascinating sociological experiment because you're seeing, you know, especially lately, you're seeing all these billionaires going to space, and it's like, okay, this is an interesting, like, it's an interesting divergence of, you know, why why are they going to space? Why is this something that's important to them? So I I, I follow it less from a ooh, isn't that cool and pretty, but more of a like, what does this reveal about who Jeff Bezos is? Um, like not necessarily in a bad or a good way. Uh, I have feelings on Jeff Bezos, but so I, <laughs> I uh, I'm an Apple guy. So yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't have, a, I don't have a watch. I don't sure. really, I'm not a watch guy, but right. um, I have AirPods. Yep. I have an, a- an iPhone. I'm looking just on my desk. I have three yeah. things that are Apple. So MacBook. Um, yep. So I, I am. My wife hates Apple. I think she doesn't spite of me, but I, I'm, a, I'm an Apple geek, and I, um, 
a lot of it's the, 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 how they just, I mean, the iOS system, how it just all, yeah, all, absolutely. all, all the continuity, all, whatever it is, just how it works together. Yeah. And, um, but same thing, I think me as a tech person, I'm, I say tech person, I use it lightly. I'm not an IT guy. I don't right. know, fix many things, right. but I enjoy what the convenience, I enjoy the yeah. efficiency. I enjoy the, um, couple things that I'm fascinated with that I haven't looked more into that I should because I feel like I'm missing the boat if I haven't. Mm. Number one is like the idea of like NFTs and the idea of like crypto and I, I'm not I'm not as uh, educated on that as I probably should be. Crypto is fascinating. Crypto, <laughs> an NFT would follow in the crypto yep. category. So it's, yeah, it's non-fungible, non-f- non-fungible tokens. tokens. That's it. I don't know. To me that, that I like the idea of cryptocurrency fascinates me. NFTs just seem like it's a, a money laundering scheme. That's just me. Like I don't, I, I'm not here to judge. I have, I have a little bit of skepticism, but, but I'm also one too. I, I, with how I denounce people that are old dog, new tricks that are just right. set in their ways. Yeah. I always look at it. Like if I'm going to like not look at NFTs as, um, if I look at them as not being, legitimate right then i'm that person that's denouncing sure. as we we grow and evolve yeah. so for me it's like i should learn back it back in my day yes <laughs> so i don't want to be that person so i'm looking yeah. at that um i also the idea with like facebook going like becoming meta like yes the idea of like the the um you know ai and mm-hmm. you know that futuristic and you see the glasses and being able to touch like another world mm-hmm. um and one of the things that fascinated me was that there's a I didn't do a ton of research into it, but the idea that there was an online world, I guess, community, mm-hmm. and someone paid almost a million dollars for property in this online world. Yes. So the whole idea with that, which kind of was like a new paradigm shift, was the idea that real estate, well, they're never making more real estate, which mm-hmm. they aren't in the physical sense that right. we know it. But if you go and make this sim land mm-hmm. where, okay, you could buy sims and make a, like, okay, make sims. But now all of a right. sudden when you tie it into you and me and millions of other people are playing mm-hmm. it, we all want the Malibu, you know, the waterfront right. in this virtual world, whatever you call sure. it, lake, whatever, right. that people will pay it because you're the only person that can own it. So right. then if you value this world, mm-hmm. um, just as much you would value the physical world that right. we know of, that you would be able to pay the premium. Because again, yeah. it's supply and demand and it's what you put a value on it. Right. So. Which is so interesting because I am I, I do have some invested into into cryptocurrency and it's it's funny because that's literally what it is because it has in theory no inherent value it is a series of numbers that somebody decided is worth something mm-hmm. and I've done okay with some of it like I'm not certainly not independently wealthy yet. Who knows? Knock on wood. Yeah. There might be. I, I I've got some some hopeful things where I have several million tokens i think is what they're called for potential maybe up and coming so if it gets to like if it becomes valuable at one penny i'll be a millionaire um it's probably never gonna happen but hey some people like to go to the casino jordan likes to buy cryptocurrency in his spare time yeah well but i think like just it's fascinating yeah understanding that and i think that again we're 30 and how much has the world changed since since we both got out of high school i mean tremendously like i mean you're the same as me absolutely and I even tell newer agents, I'm like, in- so when I got my real estate license, Instagram wasn't even invented yet. Yeah. And and, and I had to, and people were like, well, you just grew up. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't grow up with this. I had yeah. to learn it. I was like anybody else. I, I, I can Google and I can YouTube mm-hmm. with the best of them, but that's how I learned stuff. And, yeah. uh, but I'm always like eye to the future. So when I see tech and I mm-hmm. kind of see what, I don't understand the metaverse. Right. I, I understand it. I think in a, in a, in a 
enough to understand the, the macro concept of sure. it. But it's one where I'm not going to sit there and turn my shoulder to it and say, well, that's right. something stupid. I'm like, no, no, that's what, that's what's just going to be daily life. And if right. you're going to not jump on that boat and mm-hmm. I'm not saying you have to be a complete like follower of it, but right. you got to, you have, a, you need to have some of it. So absolutely. I think where it's going always excites me because I yeah. think it's just human evolution. Yeah. Well, and it's, I used to make fun of even just TikTok. It was, it was a, a silly app for children mm-hmm. until I uh, started using it and doing dabbling with a little bit of creating for it. And now I understand it. Like I understand it. I don't do much creation anymore, but so, I, so I, that's actually one of the apps I deleted off my phone. It's probably fair, but not, not because I anything bad with it. And, and, and it's legitimate. People are on yeah. it. It's just one where I knew my bandwidth of me yep. as a human was not going to give time to it. Yep. And I never got down the dark hole of going flipping through it. Same thing with Smart. Pinterest. I've never been on a Pinterest. Um, fair enough. I'd say dark hole for me is a YouTube dark yeah. hole because I can get pretty deep in the YouTube yeah. or, or Instagram. But, yeah. um, so kind of cause rapid fire because there's some, some more of these. Of course. Um, coffee, coffee. I know this could be a podcast mm. in itself. You're enjoyable yes. to talk to. So maybe we can just <laughs> brush on this and have you back hey. in like a year and then actually dive into some, some, yeah. some other, um, Oh, I'm all about th- that things, but coffee. So how much coffee do you drink? Give us your coffee. Give me your, like, how, how, how much of a coffee guy are you? Um, very, uh, that's the short answer. Um, I've always, I've always been a, an appreciator of coffee to varying degrees. I, I was a Tim Hortons guy growing up cause Tim Hortons, Fair. if you're Canadian, you have to enjoy Tim Hortons. Yep. And that's kind of was my gateway drug, if you will, to really make it vulgar. You go to the Plastic State one? I, you know, what's funny. I never have just because it's been long enough. So it's like, it's a treat if I really need it. But if I want good coffee, I'm not going to Tim Hortons. And so a buddy of mine introduced me to, to like locally roasted coffee about eight or nine years ago. And there was one in Corning that I got to go to a few times. That was the closest coffee roaster. And so I, I, I liked coffee before and then starting to get into locally roasted coffee is really what kicked my obsession up a notch. And then moving here and having a place like Adirondack coffee roasters Mm -hmm. locally and they have, you know, they have a roaster in their back room they started as a wholesale business. And then they opened the cafe just because the demand was there. Um, and that really ignited a probably unhealthy level of obsession with coffee because I was, I was able to work remotely at, at the church. So when that was my full-time job, that became my second office. I'd bring my laptop, I'd bring some headphones and I'd just buy coffee and work at Adirondack Adirondack coffee roasters. And when uh, chapter one opened at the library, that was another, you know, another great um, uh, option. And then when they moved to their, their new location, which is absolutely gorgeous. So it's very good if you're doing creative work to be in a beautiful space with artwork. Um, And so that didn't help. Um, and then I got into espresso making, I bought an espresso machine on a whim, very dangerous, uh, cause that wasn't super cheap, but it was a deal of the day. It was like an $800 machine that I oh, got wow. for about $400 and I'd been thinking about it, but I pulled the trigger a bit on a whim and that kind of brought me in deeper. Oh, fast forward to, I bought a coffee roaster, uh, a couple months ago now and it's an at home one and my obsession has only grown because now I'm just fascinated about like origins of beans and flavor profiles and processing and, 
and things that nobody cares about. So somebody will, somebody will come up to me and ask me, it's like, oh, what, tell me about copy roasting. If I'm not careful, I'll get into the weeds where I'll get five minutes and it's like, you were just being polite, weren't you? Your, your eyes just glazed <laughs> over. Yeah. It's like, you don't really care about the difference between wet, like washed coffee beans and dry processed coffee beans and honey processed. Like you just want to know, make, make coffee taste good? Yes. That's it. <laughs> That's what most people, like, let's be honest. Most people aren't, are, are thinking about, oh, well, this has notes of notes of chocolate if you roast it to a certain degree. Or, you know, you can really taste the, you can really taste the cherry because like the extraction you know, of the beet. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, they don't think about like the difference between, uh, you know, I, if I brew a pot of coffee with 67 grams of grind ground coffee compared to 62, the different, the difference in that, or, you know, uh, so I, I, but I, I love it. I'm obsessed with it. I, and I, I think fresh coffee is worth waiting for. And I think the best, I, I, I have, I've had great coffee, but I've never had coffee that I roasted two days that were, was roasted two days ago. Um, and you usually give 48 hours after the coffee is roasted to hit peak roast or peak brewing. And it is, it has been just a, a dang delight to to get into so to say i'm i'm a i'm a fan of coffee um i'm probably too into it do you drink a lot of coffee usually i i'll usually drink a pot of coffee a day okay um because you didn't drink coffee for this so you're kind no of like, so no after a certain time do you stop coffee not necessarily like it late in the afternoon i'll probably uh, probably switch to water because this, um, this still has coffee. It's about right here. Yeah. This is like my second one of the day. So. Fair enough. Yeah. I And I'll usually, I'll at least do like today, I just did a, a regular tumbler. So like a 20 ounce tumbler, I think. And that's probably all I did today. But I also was busy. I had a lot happening. So I didn't have a lot of like time to just sit and, and enjoy a coffee. If I'm off, I will, like if I'm having a day off and I'm at home, I'll at least, I'll at least have do the pot of coffee and I'll probably do a homemade latte. If I'm in a real hurry and I'm exhausted, I'll do a pot of coffee and I'll add some espresso to it. And a, a fun fact, a cup of coffee with a double shot of espresso is called a black eye. And it is, um, it is very extra, but it's a lot of caffeine. So I don't get jittery though. Thankfully my mind just races and I get anxious if I'm in a bad mindset. So I have to also be careful. I caffeine can do that. I, uh, how old were you to start drinking coffee? I mean, I, I started drinking coffee as a young adult. Like, I would have been 20, 21 probably just in college, just trying to push myself to get through and get up for an 8 o'clock class. And co- I, was coffee, when you started drinking coffee, to, like, did you like it right off? It was an acquired taste? I, in, in Tim Horton's speak, I'd get a double, double to yep. two, uh, two cream, two sugar for the uninitiated. <laughs> um, and, and it's funny cause I'd go into, when I moved to the States, I'd go into like a Dunkin' Donuts back when I drank Dunkin' Donuts. I'm not going to get on that rabbit trail. And I asked for double, double and they'd look at me like, what, what are you, what are you talking about? So I'm, like, oh, I'm sorry, two cream, two sugar. Um, so, I mean, I definitely had, like, I added the cream and sugar as a flavor. Are you, you're just black now. I drink, I drink black coffee now. Now that's not... What I, what I tell people is I'm passionate about coffee and I have very strong opinions on what I consume for coffee. And, and I, I highly recommend against some of the change just cause I, I don't think they treat their coffee with love, but it's like, I, what you drink, I want you to enjoy what you drink. Mm-hmm. I think that you'll enjoy what I enjoy. So here, drink some of my coffee 
but I'm also not going to judge the people that are that are lining up. I actually, that's not true. People who line up in the morning that line up out into the street for Duncan, I judge a little bit, but more because it's a hazard rather than where they're at. You're talking about the one right by the turnpike. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I live in Morrisonville, so yeah. yeah, I know I know that drive. The uh, so the re I know someone's serious about coffee before. Mm-hmm. Before you just went on that rant of, of everything, course. which I can respect. <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of parallels too. I think you sp- spend more time making coffee than I would. But sure. um, when you said black, anybody that drinks coffee and I know they like coffee, yeah. they drink it black. Sure. And I think it's just purely because you want to have the, the, the true essence or note or whatever yeah. of the coffee. Um, I dislike Duncan. That's fair. I will drink yeah. Duncan. When it's the only option, mm-hmm. um, I do enjoy Starbucks. I know sure. some people don't like Starbucks, but at the end of the day, from a for a chain, they make a very good roast of coffee. Mm-hmm. You know um, what's strange? If I have to go to a chain, I choose Stewart's. So shout out! I, I am willing to do some some PR for Stewart's if anyone is is listening because so, I I will back your product. So this is the thing with Stewart's coffee is I was from Shazy. Uh-huh. There was one store in Shazy. It was yeah. Stewart's. Sure. It was the coffee that I grew up drinking. Sure. If I had to say, is, is Stewart's the best coffee? I would say unequivocally no. Sure. But there was a massive nostalgia to That's Stewart's right. coffee. Well, it's Tim Hortons. Exactly. So I will I, I will be one that if I, if you told me right now, I would go pour a cup of Stewart's coffee mm-hmm. and I would drink Stewart's coffee mm-hmm. and it wouldn't be the best coffee I ever had, but there would be some level of like satisfaction mm-hmm. to that that cup it's and, a warm hug on a cold winter's day. and it's just black sometimes overbrewed a little like burnt it. here and there but it's yeah. just like nostalgia and i drink duncan i don't i will drink duncan sure. but i find that the, the roast is bad where i almost have to put cream in it to yeah. dilute it a bit um I, I i've never taken sugar in my coffee my grandfather i started drinking coffee at 16 we every weekend we go to the diner right and he yep. told me don't put sugar in your coffee because mm-hmm. it'll kill you well <laughs> needless that's what he told me and smart man. And uh, needless to say, I told my mom and my grandma that, and they're like, he put sugar in his tea and coffee for years. Like, don't listen to him. But it, he never. When I, you know, he he would put it in. His, he put sugar in his tea, but not in his coffee. Okay. Um, but since then, I never put. I, I don't like sugar in my drinks. Fair enough. So, um, I do have. So this is this is my coffee. I have a French press. I have a, yep. I have a double insulated. The only thing I wanted on my wedding registry when we did it was a French press. My mom nice. bought it for me because she knew like nobody's Aww. gonna get you for this. <laughs> so I yep. have that. I still use it to this day. Yep. Um, I have an espresso machine which mm-hmm. I don't use often. I, I that's that's one of my. I will get more into that. I think as the kids get older, I that's think fair. it's kind of like it's on the shelf, but I have it. It's more involved. It's more involved, and it's. I would say it's an entry level one. So I, I know at some point in time, my goal is to have a full on coffee bar, which will be a nice espresso machine. I literally bought a uh, steel top island so I could have a place to put all my coffee paraphernalia. <laughs> yeah, and like right now, mine's like on like next to the microwave by the yeah. front door. Not a great location, but it eventually. I will have one. That's like a goal. I will have that. Of course. But um, I have a I have a generic drip coffee maker. But mm-hmm. the drip coffee maker was a good one that I yep. invested money in. Same because it heats up to the 200 degree Fahrenheit. It has like the you know it has all the bells yes. and whistles. It's very simple. It's, mm-hmm. sim- it's like an apple. It's very simplistic, yep. but it hits all the major major things. I do not have a Chemex yet. The pour over. Mm-hmm. I know that's you know that's a very bougie way of doing it. But it is, it, but it is a nice. Typically, any hipster in America will have a Chemex. But I yeah. think at some point, I broke my Chemex in my move to the North Country, and I, I mourned it, but I never replaced it. I don't know why. I think I will at some point, not yet. But I also weigh and measure my coffee. Yep. 
So I, I, I food every day. I make coffee. I mm-hmm. usually do a one to sixteen ratio between coffee and water. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my that's typically my ratio. I do it sure. for French press and I do it yep. for drip. Yep. And that usually has a pretty strong because I like my coffee yes, strong. Same. Um, I typically, I would say ninety five percent, ninety nine, ninety five, whatever high nineties percent of the time I use a dark roast over okay. a light roast. I'm not. I the dark roast one has a little less ca- little less caffeine. This is true, but it has more flavor. Interesting. Um, it's like a, it's a heavier flavor. Mm-hmm. So I typically I have a coffee subscription. So where's your coffee subscription? Black that... Rifle. Oh, okay, cool. So um, one is I just knew it was a, it was a military veteran. It was a Navy yes. SEAL. So I know I they, that. they do do a lot for veterans. Mm-hmm. So I like that. But awesome. yeah. um, I I'm not against. I've used Adirondack coffee roasters. Oh sure. And, and that's something I do get. Um, Lake um, Lakeside Coffee and Rouse's Point. I typically don't go get up there enough. When yeah. I'm up there, I go there. Yeah, same. But I don't typically get the bags from them. Now I know mm-hmm. we've talked about her before. Becky with High Peaks Brew yep. gets, I believe, her beans from there. Yes. I As really, does uh, Chapter One. Also, yes, gets you're from right. Lakeside. Chapter yep. One does. I would say right now the best local coffee places because I'll put Lakeside in there, but I don't mm-hmm. go there enough. Is Adirondack, mm-hmm. Becky, and Chapter One yes. are, are the ones that make? Yep. I would say from a local the best coffee. Yes, I would say Adirondack. If you like just coffee, coffee, they probably they would be more coffee forward. Um, chapter One has some of the best lattes, um, mm-hmm. like especially their cold brew. Now Adirondack has gotten into cold, the cold brew game, and it's quite good. But I'd go to Chapter One if I wanted a cold brew. Especially they have a maple cream cold brew that's Chef's Kiss. It's delightful, and Rebecca does a really good job at doing both quite well. Mm-hmm. So it, it is a depending on what you're in the mood for, or if Rebecca's nearby, or if somebody is paying for it. Which that is a great. I think it's such a great marketing and PR tactic. Um, I don't know who was the first person to approach I, her. I know who it was. Oh yeah, we were two. Number one was Mike Foot. That tracks. I I believe it. He did it, and I saw it, and I was like, "Mike, what'd you do?" And I yep. talked to her, and I said, "Becky, can you do it?" We had one out here, yep. um, out front, and that was it, it I was knew that. it was fun. Yeah, I recommended it to my my workplace at the time, and they they were less enthused, and then another credit union decided to jump in on that. So, uh, it's it's a great it's catching win, though. I would say every is. I would say once every three weeks, someone does it. Yep, absolutely. Well, that was just I think last week it was over at uh, the ARC. Yeah, um, so I know, yeah. I know, I mean, she's, I've known, I've known Rebecca for several years now and that's that I'm so glad to see her doing well. Shout yeah. out to, shout I'll, out to our small business entrepreneurs out I'll, there. I'll say she's, I mean, she does the coffee. She's yeah. very good at coffee. If you, if <laughs> you start to press her a little bit, she's a thug little business person. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think what, what I find fascinating, one, her coffee's, great i think mm-hmm. she just she she yep. makes a good quality product yes. um but when you start picking she's a young i mean she's very oh yeah she's young she's what 21 maybe maybe 22 yeah i was gonna say maybe 23 24 because i i have trouble tracking ages for kids that young but she but i i think she's <laughs> she's in her early 20s yep. she runs this business and i talked to her a couple of weeks i'm not going to give away any secrets for of course her not. but i do know that she is She's planning on some some growth, and I think yeah. that um, when I talked to her about it, and I kind of pressed her a little bit, like what she says and what she does, and some questions I've had, yeah. she has the answers, and she has like reasons why she does it, and she's sure. and I kind of look at that, and either I'm saying you have fantastic mentors, mm-hmm. natural God given ability, or you are very good at researching, yeah. And I think there's a mixture of all. Three. I was just gonna say I think it's a little of all of the above. Yeah, and she's uh. 
I, I'm very curious to see where she takes that because the mm. sky's the limit for her because I think she's got a good head on her shoulders yep. and I think she does it very well. Yeah. And, and I think we're in an area where coffee there, I think there's a lot of growth potential here because we're an under, we're an underserved coffee market. Um, just in the, the sense of like, you know, uh, Dwayne at Adirondack coffee roasters is a good friend. And I mean, he, he is in business and so he like has his, his coffee selections are relatively simple because that's his market. Mm-hmm. And so when I think of kind of the future, it's like, I think, you know, if you go over to Burlington or Essex Junction, um, there's a great coffee place in Essex Junction, Uncommon Coffee. If you're ever in Essex Junction, uh, it's amazing. There's Uncommon Grounds too on Church Street. That, Is that a different one? That's actually closed now. Uh, the oh, really? owner, Maya, used to manage Uncommon Grounds. They closed on Church and, Street. On Church Street. Oh, I, haven't, um, I haven't been there in a couple of years. And she it. opened up in Essex Junction um, and she called it Uncommon Coffee. Uh, so to kind same of be a spiritual, person. Uh, yes. So she actually owns the, well, co-owns the business now okay. where she was just an employee um, and so kind of was the spiritual successor and that's the, the level of, I guess, bouginess is, is what people will call it. But I just, they just think the nuance of like, it's not just Kenyan coffee, it's Kenyan and Geary coffee because there is different notes that you get from the different regions in Kenya. And I think there's a lot of potential, I think on this side, cause I think there is, I think there's a market for it that somebody like Rebecca, could likely tap into a little bit. I, I've secretly, I say secretly, I've said it before, <laughs> it's not really secret, but <laughs> one, one of my goal, like one of my things in life, I've always wanted to own a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And I think, and this is, I've said this before, like one of my business ventures I hope I get into some point, not this won't be my only, but this is, I, I'm hoping something I could invest in or have is I, like almost as a retirement is I would love to own a coffee shop mm-hmm. And obviously have it be profitable, sure. but I want to make it just like a fun place to be that's coffee, community-centered. And, and a lot of coffee shops are that. So I'm not like breaking the mold and starting something new. But I just want to be able to say I own a coffee shop and sit down, talk to people, have coffee. If I just want to read, if I just want to like do – I mean just a place that I think when I'm older that would just be a fun place to just chill at. So here's a funny thing. That's literally – Literally, my dream. Like, absolute... I I was asked in the interview process for the job I have now, what would you do if somebody gave you $100 million? Right now, what would you do? And I was... You know, I gave the... The the give it... Probably give a lot of it away. But I specifically said I'd want to open a coffee house, coffee roaster community center. Yeah. In Plattsburgh. Yeah. And and I I would say, I believe chapter one is probably the closest we have to it. Sure. And I think they've done a great job. Oh, yeah. Because I... I had been there in the uh, uh, the library, mm-hmm. and it was limited because it was a of library course, yeah. and stuff. But I think what they have now downtown, I think oh, the locations, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the city well location, I think yeah. is, um, it just fits the vibe down there. Oh, absolutely. Um, and they make a good coffee, they and, do. It, and I think that at the end of the day, something like that, I would mm-hmm. love to open in Plattsburgh. Yeah, and I would like to just. And it's not even, I would, I would take it, I, I know myself, I'd say I wouldn't take it serious. I would right, because it's me. Right. But I think, I think at the end of the day, it would be more of a hobby mm-hmm. um, or a passion, a passion yeah, project. Absolutely. But I, we get so much joy out of it because I, like, I have a roaster at home. Yeah. We talk about the roaster. I've had yeah. a roaster for 10 years and yeah. 
I don't get to do it as much. Um, sure. But when you get like the little unroasted peanut looking beans and you yeah. roast them and you kind of different, different um, temperatures and different yep. times. And, and, uh, and you even just watch it as it roasts and it goes through the phases. And There's something therapeutic about it. it and you just watch it get darker and darker and expand. And you're like, oh my yeah. God, this is great. And you, you can kind it's of mesmerizing. Yeah, and you just for me it is at least. It's like you just even if it's like a twenty minute roast, you're yeah. just sitting there watching this thing. You're like, oh my god, it's gonna be great. And then you put it out and you have it all in. Yeah. The, you know, you you lay it all out and you let all the the gases ex, ex, yep. extract off of it and you just mm-hmm. get all excited. And then you end up roast, like you said, grinding that up. Yeah. Um, I also only use whole bean. Same. I, I don't use ground. I always I I bought a really nice. Uh, was it called a burr grinder? Yep. So I bought conical one burr. Bought one. Which one do you have? It's a they call them conical burrs. Oh, because they turn, yeah. yeah. Mine's an encore. It was it was like when I did research on it, it was yep. like a very much like this is a this is a budget friendly mm-hmm. but not cheap. Like you're gonna yep. spend money on it, but you're Absolutely. not overspending. You like but yep. this is you're gonna buy quality and it's gonna work. And I'm like, that's what I need. Exactly. So um I like it, but I'm a big coffee guy. I drink a lot of it, but I also think that the the uh the relationship around coffee is important. That's exactly it. Okay, so speak on that yep. because Well, that's I've always said like you know, the for the longest time they talk the the conversation surrounding alcohol was it's a social lubricant. Mm-hmm. But I always found like maybe this is just the more socially acceptable social lubricant because I have had some of my most most challenging and encouraging conversations over coffee. Mm-hmm. I've I friendships are forged over coffee. I have some of my closest friends that I started out just like, hey, I don't know you want to get some coffee. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it really is. That's, that's such a relationship thing. And there's, it's almost to the point where, um, for a while, like that became a thing in churches where it's like, Oh, well we have free coffee. Well, uh, a lot of churches were just getting Folgers and putting the styrofoam cups. Yes. Which I think that's almost a rite of passage, but you're seeing even now there's, there's that recognition of like a good cup of coffee is is a relationship builder and so a lot of a lot of churches will will have um like something from adirondack or lakeside to to number one support local but also to you know we have a coffee hour you know we we invite you to come and sit down around a table together and drink coffee and have conversation have you ever been to e-town i have do you know not much but if you go down i forgot the road at water street maybe if you go down there's a coffee shop Uh uh-huh I roll into this coffee shop. Yep. I go into the coffee shop, and I'm like, "What is this place?" It was like a house of prayer. Oh, interesting. But they had a coffee shop up front. Yep. And in the back, because I didn't go in the back, but sure. they had services and stuff. Oh, there. wow. So that kind of ties into the, yeah. the, the, the you know the church and and absolutely. Coffee. Um, I but I find like you said, there's something social lubricants perfect because mm-hmm. I think even when I go to appointments and someone's like, "Do you want a cup of coffee?" and I'm like. Yeah, I'll take one. As soon as you get a cup of coffee, then I'm like, it just kind of feels like it just the yeah. vibe goes to more like relaxation. And I, um, there's something to be said about that. And I think some of my, you know, I grew up drinking hot stuff. My mm-hmm. my grandfather, you know, was from Ireland, and I think I just have good memories of just sitting around their table with a cup of tea. Yeah, like wasn't coffee; it was just tea. Yeah. But I think something about do you want tea and just sitting there sipping on it and just yeah. like everything just kind of relaxes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, or going to a diner on Sundays after mass and yeah. have a cup of coffee. You eat your food. Don't sleep on diner coffee, by the way. No diner some- coffee. I don't care how like it might be Folgers garbage. But it there's something about it. But they're always in those like those white cream yep. colored like ceramic mugs that yeah. are just generic and have like yep. kind of like, the rounded shape and yep. um you know and I think just getting a like, campus corner you get the mug and you pour yep. the coffee 
Is and it I'll best... pound like nine of those over breakfast. Yeah. Is it the best coffee? Well, the thing is, you never you never know because you keep refilling it. Right. And there's something about that too, like the bottomless yeah. cup. Yep. But it's but the idea that you can sit there and have a conversation, and you just sip and sip and sip, and I'll sip that coffee to the point where I start getting that like dehydration headache, and yeah. then I'm like, okay, I gotta like not because I gotta start <laughs> drinking water. Yeah. But I'll get to that limit. I'll push that limit. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I think that especially at a place like Campus Corner because they take care of you there. Oh yeah, they'll just keep pouring. It's like this is great. And, or like, like I'll have to shut them down. And they'll be like, really? Yeah. Michigan's Plus. Yep. Like, you want some more coffee? And, and I think Campus Corner bodes more well because you just sit at the counter and they can see you. Oh, man. And there's um, something nostalgic about that kind of diner where it's metallic it just, edges. Yeah. And, like, you just feel, it feels old home to me. I don't know. You see the cooks, like, in the kitchen yep. right there. And I, um, but yeah, I think the relationship around coffee is probably the thing I've come as I've gotten older. And I think as I continue to get older, I'll, I'll get even more appreciation for yeah. it. It's just sitting down, having a cup of coffee. One thing is, I do wish my wife liked coffee. She doesn't. Yeah. So that's that fair. would be a little nice more nice but um some of my friends yesterday had a friend come in yeah same thing loves coffee a good coffee he's like yeah, the same as you and i and, and i think that you know you can just sit there and like we'll just get a cup of coffee and talk yeah. for like 45 minutes but over a cup of coffee so yeah um love it not to cut you short i want to respect your time and there's a couple other things i wanted to talk to you about we're gonna punt them maybe sure. to the future because i think you'd be hey. fun to have come back on I'd maybe to come we'll bring, back actually have coffee like we'll have some good coffee. man you know it yeah, I'll bring I'll bring some of my special my special roasts. Because anybody that says you got to try my coffee, and I'm like, I'll take you up on it because I love trying just coffee. Yeah. And I, I like experimenting. Like if you're like, this is good coffee. Yeah, I might say yes or no, but I might be like, I I like it. I don't think it'll be a no. It'd just be like no. this might be in the realm or different. But it's yeah. always good to try new things. So of course it is. Um, Jordan, I this was great. I appreciate you coming on. I had, like I said, I, you were kind of a dynamic character. I think, and you're fun. Like I having met you. Um, my other two topics, I'll just, I'll just, ta- I'll, 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 uh, I'll, uh, what's it called? I'll, um, tease you with them for next yeah, time. Of course. Is barbecue. Cause I know you're a barbecue guy. <sighs> yeah. We're not going to talk about it now because nope. it's too nope. late, but it's too, no, it's too much. It's too much, but you would, but that's, true. I'm a massive. Yes. Okay. Uh, so specifically smoked meat barbecue, um, kind of that Southern Texas style brisket. Okay. Yeah. So we'll talk that we'll end it th- that, that there, but yeah. I want to, and then also you dropped your office quote. So you're an office guy. I am. Um, you, I, I know, I see your Michael Scott, um, behind me. And I do have an office shelf. I, I hesitate to say it. I think Parks and Recreation okay, is the superior okay. product. Okay, so, <laughs> so maybe Jordan won't come back on. Um, no, so I've never seen Parks and Rec. And so this is the thing. So, okay. So, okay. So this is, there's, so I would say there's three shows that people compare to The Office. Sure. This could be a quick rant. The Office, number one, obviously, is my, my pride uh-huh. and joy, is my love. Sure. But then there's Parks and Rec that sure. people compare it to because uh-huh. I think it's the same producers. It was, and it was designed kind of as a, a spinoff in its origin. Okay, so that yeah. would be one, and I'm sure it's a very good show, and I know it has a following. Yes. Now, number two would be people back in the day uh-huh. would com- cons- uh, it was compared a lot because it lost all the award shows to 30 Rock, which I despise 30 Rock purely for the fact that it just beat The Office. And all. every time you went to the Emmys, huh. 30 Rock won. I never really watched 30 Rock. That's I had, too obviously bad. Obviously, had a, had a, a good cast at Tina yeah. Fey and Al Baldwin yeah. and, and uh, I'm Tracy a Tina Morgan. Fey stan, so. But that was, so yeah. that was one. And, and I'm not saying anything negative about the show. No. It just always beat The Office. So I have like, it's almost like me liking the Atlanta, Bra- Atlanta Braves because I was a Montreal Expos fan. So I couldn't support the uh, yes. Atlanta Braves. That's fair. They won the World Series this year and I did not want them to win. They're like, why no. would you want the Braves? You wanted, I forgot who they played. The Houston. I don't know. Oh yeah. And everybody and now, wants the Astros to lose. And now everybody wants the Astros to lose. When I was growing up, the Astros were like the bottom of the, now back yeah. in then, the NLC, cent- or the NLC, the NL Central. Yeah. Because there were six teams in the NL Central back then. Right, right. But they weren't good. So. 
And then the third one is now everybody compares it to Friends because they're like the two nostalgic ones that come back. I mean, that's... I never watch Friends. People mm-hmm. are like diehard Friends. I'm not into it. I'm The Office. So that's fair. That's my. Uh, so I, I will passionately defend The Office. Sure. For as well, long and as I'm time. not. I mean, I'm not here to try to say one is better. I, it's just again, it's personal preference. Yeah. I'm I, an I, Apple sheep. It doesn't mean that I judge you for being an Android person. That's the same with The Office. I mean, it's like I, I appreciate I, I slightly it. Slightly do. That's it's, fair. When I t- when I text somebody and you have a green bubble come up and not a blue, I do get a. That's little, fair. So if I was to text you inside green bubble, especially in a group chat. So I had a group chat yesterday, two iPhones and an Apple and the Apple. I know, you know, this guy, Adam Crosley, I'm going to call him out. Oh, he, he, had Crossley. The, he had the Android. And when I went to in the group chat with him in it, as soon as I put his name in, it went blue, blue, green. And then I, then I sent you it. You had that sinking feeling? It did. I actually was almost going to start a separate group with the guys <laughs> I wanted to and just fill him in with what was happening. Cause, but I have started Facebook group chats to avoid the green, the green bubbles. Yeah, I would too. I actually think that yeah. makes sense. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love Adam. I, I, will, I will fight you over Android, but I, I love you. I do. I just want you to know that. I do, but if I had to pick a flaw on him. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of... It's one of his flaws, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but awesome. but he and I are tight, so so he he also, knows he knows it's all in love. He's uh he's actually I've known Adam for well over a decade now. Yeah, really good friend of mine. Yeah, meant even though similar in age, mentor of mine, sure. and I I would say stand up guy in a lot of stuff, and, and and I think he's one that will say he's not perfect, but he's learned and he's he's oh, always man. trying to get better, and absolutely love the, love him. Um, but you're an Android user, and I do not like that about you. So, if Adam, I love you, but this, I don't respect you. Yes, I don't. I don't, I don't fully. <laughs> it's it's not, not a full respect until we switch it to Apple. But though, luckily for him, he's got an adorable little baby. Yeah, little Sam. Oh, Sam's gorgeous. Yeah. What a he's what a cute buddy. kid. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, luckily he takes after his mother. <laughs> that's it. That, that's, I, I, can't, I can't say that. Well, I don't Hi, know. I've seen, I've seen I've seen the size of, of him, and I'm like, that's definitely a Crosley kid. But oh, that's fair. Um, but yeah, no, they're, they're good, great people. So, um, but Jordan, we'll end there. I appreciate you coming on. Of course. Um, did you have Thanks fun? for having me. Right? Oh yeah, it was great. Yeah, you, you came in pretty, pretty laid back, ready to go. And yeah. um, you had a podcast. You still have a podcast? I don't right now. So I, I am I am not a creator currently. But do you think you'll get back into the podcast realm? I've thought of it. The problem is, is I can't, I've struggled to find where, what do I, what niche do I want to fill? All right. And, and so I, I still, I haven't decided that. Yeah, I've had a few ideas that are in the, the uh, up there percolating, so to speak, and I'm waiting for it to extract. Still waiting to drip down, right? Yeah, I'm still waiting <laughs> on the process. It's it's long, but maybe it'll be worth it. There you go. So, um, episode 173 with Jordan LeBlanc. We're out. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling G A E L A N. T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.